I know plenty of dingy podcasts. I don't want to know any more. If nothing else, the cadence perfect. I, this is the thing. I was the working thing on with it while him is cadence. It. I I think the the volume and the cadence. I think I have. There's certain ways he pronounces certain words that I have not exactly nailed. I really buy the argument that he is that he makes that he is a bad actor, but there's just nobody like him. Like that's Malkovich's yes. argument. Look, this is going to be twenty five percent of Malkovich episode. Have we ever talked Malkovich on the pod before? I know he, we've invoked him. We've invoked the mighty Malkovich, and then and he's yet he's but never come. This is one of those people where I'm like, in seven years, have we never covered a movie I'm, that he is? I'm calling up the filmography. I don't know because you didn't do pre. Well, Beowulf. Oh, he well, is in Beowulf. Creepy oh. CGI Malkovich, my doesn't, doesn't really count. favorite actor of all time. But yeah. you know, when doing Spielberg, you don't do Empire. We haven't of the done Sun. Empire we didn't of do the it. Uh, right, we'll do it someday. Man, he's got a lot of credits. He's one of those he guys does. who works more than you think. Yeah, he's he's got to maintain his like Lisbon uh, club. You guys right. know about that? Yeah, and his weird fashion line. Oh, wait, ben, ben perked up. Okay, yeah. huh? John Malkovich owns like a a bar and restaurant or like a dance club in Lisbon, Portugal. A lovely okay. place. Yes. I've never been there. I've heard it's cool. But uh, it's kind of an interesting like side gig. Yeah. But John Malkovich also has a clothing line because he was like, no one was making the blazers I wanted to wear. <laughs> we, we did. We did a Secretariat episode, right? We did do. I bet we did a Randall Wallace miniseries. Uh, let's see. I'm still. I'm going, and I'm not. Yeah, see, apart from Beowulf, of course. Right. Which, look up. Look know. up. Ben. Just while David's doing this, Google uh, uh, Malkovich clothing line. Um, yeah. No. Look. I mean, one of the most fascinating uh, 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 figures in in the we've acting never world. we've never done him. Yeah. Apart from okay. Beowulf. Yeah. So yeah. we're gonna go deep on it because this is. This is, it's not like this is his quintessential performance, but in a certain way, this is a movie where you really start thinking about, like, what is Malkovich's deal? Why is he so compelling? Sexual malevolence. But the, this is, no, There's it, so many things it's a going sundry, on. That's a he's a sun-dried tomato actor, in my opinion. What Go does on. that mean? If you put him on a sandwich, it's not like it's automatically going to be bad, uh -huh. but it's going to dominate in yes. your mouth. Yes. When you eat the set, you're certainly going to be like getting some sun-dried tomato out of this bite. Both a texture, oily, texture, a taste, look. <laughs> if you see a sun-dried tomato on a sandwich, you're like, I, I got to prep myself for what. And I'm you're sort of like, yeah. what? Were they sure they knew what they were doing putting the sun-dried tomato on right. the sandwich? And sometimes you're like, you know what? I love it. I, you know what? This is great. When he's used well, it's like, but it's oh, a he's very the best aggressive actor choice. alive. You know very aggressive choice of to course. include John Malkovich in any movie. Right? Yes. Uh, yes. Has he ever been in something where you're like, oh, he's in that? Don't remember. Like, no. don't, that, he didn't make an impression no, on no. me in that. He's film. never no. not made an impression, right? No, he's, he's a very memorable screen presence. David's invoked this for people who don't know this famous story of, he, you know, if you have not seen Rounders, he does... Uh, <laughs> One of the most inaccurate and over-the-top accents of all time. Have you seen Rounders? Do you, I have or seen do you Rounders. know the story? Well, it was on Bill Simmons' podcast. I think I have told heard this like a story, number of right, times. He's told now. Please, that's right. Yeah. Please re. So I mean, John Malkovich does for the Russian community in Rounders what Dick Van Dyke uh, did did for Cockney Chimney Sweeps. Yeah, right, sure, right. Uh, perhaps with a little less technical accuracy. <laughs> 
And it's a good performance. I like it. Yeah, and Damon and and uh, fucking playing Norton, a character obviously. called Teddy KGB just to be just in case it wasn't offensive. Well, the character is so subtly written. That's, <laughs> but but Damon and Norton are like the two fucking anointed. Like, are these the next great leading? But men. they're kids. They're, they're serious. Young, they're excited. They're hardcore. Right. And Malkovich shows up on his first day, and he's doing this insane like. I am going to go all in on this hand, yes, like right. accent. They, like they've all been waiting with bated breath for him to arrive on set. Heavy that. hitter. We're working with an elder he, statesman. He starts doing right. that accent, and Damon's just like everyone is like, "What the fuck is going?" Right. On? They call like, cut. Right. Uh, uh, John Dahl comes over. He's like, "Man, maybe try this differently." Da da da. No notes for Malkovich. <laughs> and it's like take two, and Malkovich goes even bigger. And he's like, "We're gonna let, let's actually change to a thirty-five and this and that." John, keep it up. Good stuff. <laughs> and Damon's like perplexed. And he's like, is this a prank on me? Right. And uh, Malkovich at some point clocks his incredulity and goes like, come in. in, in, in. Come over. on. I've got something to tell you. Do you want to do the delivery? No, you do it. Go ahead. He goes, you know, my secret is I'm a terrible actor. <laughs> <laughs> it's a great story. It's a great story. You think about it all the time. There are also all these quotes from Malkovich where he's like, acting is very easy. A moron could do it. A dog <laughs> could do it. It's not, I don't understand why anyone's impressed. There are also these things about him where he's like, there's stories from people who were part of Steppenwolf with him at the time where they were like, he is so right wing that it felt like a put on. <laughs> He certainly Wait, is. He, he has crazy really? politics to this day. Yeah, He would like throw parties when there were lethal injections and they'd be like, is this edgelord stuff? And he'd be like, no, I like it when justice is served. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he's one of those guys where he's like, I haven't voted since I like voted for George McGovern. In he lives in France now, right? He, Primarily in the South. He, of France. he lives in Europe. I guess it's right. in France. He, you know, he hates paying taxes. He's always yeah. complaining about that. But then he'll occasionally be like, "I'd like to shoot that politician. What a what a gas bag he is!" Or what, you know, like he'll I give love me guns. Is that just like a, a riff on his role in in the Line of Fire? I don't know, but it's like maybe that's why he was good. Maybe it's where they cast him. Right? No, I'm sorry. Yes, he left France. Okay. in a dispute over taxes. He now lives in Cambridge, Massachusetts. Okay, wow. He lives in Cambridge, Massachusetts. Go look him up. Knock on some doors. Wow. One okay, Malkovich Road. It's blankies. If you have any good yeah. Malkovich stories, Malkovich, please Malkovich. Uh, drop. Us a line on social media. I mean, you've now invoked what our listenership is called blankies. We should mention that this is a blank check with Griffin and David. Right. I'm Griffin. I'm David. Uh, it's a podcast about filmographies, directors who have massive success early on in their careers, like, say, The Piano, and are given a series of blank checks to make whatever crazy passion products they want, like, say, Portrait of a Lady. And sometimes those checks clear, and sometimes they bounce, baby, like, say, Portrait of a Lady. It is a bounce. Uh, it's, it's a, a mini series on the films of Jane Campion. It's called The Podcastiano. It's called The Podcastiano. I actually will advance an argument here. Oh. Yes, this movie made $3 million, which isn't very much. And it probably costs more than that. Spoiler. I think, this, I think it costs like $24 million. So that's, so, so that's not great. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and I don't think they're like selling it to Netflix to this year and getting tons or whatever. No. It's actually um, imagine imagine like right the now. fucking tweets about like the town is coming to Netflix in two days about Portrait of a Lady going on there. This movie is unrentable. I don't it know it is. It, well, it was on Criterion for a while. It, it'll mm, 
it well, it might have been on Criterion. It was on Paramount Plus that uh, you could have rented it through. Uh, It'll Amazon. pop up and out. It will occasionally. Now it's, it's available on Blu-ray through Shout Factory. It sure we got is. the Blu-ray. Get it from can't the local get it on iTunes, Amazon. You can't rent it from yeah. any of these places. Not on any. What are they trying the to hide? <laughs> it was also apparently like not in circulation. I mean, not only did the Blu-ray take a long time, but I think there was not an American DVD. Her movies are underrepresented on disc. It's sort of weird. This one has the Blu-ray, but like in the cut has never been released on Blu-ray in America. Excuse me. There's that weird set that I bought, which yeah, is called the, the weird Six set. Degrees Collection. Yeah, 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 yeah. Which what? is, it's it's a Kevin Bacon box set that Mill Creek put out. Who, For those who don't know, is usually like a bargain basement budget uh, home video uh, company. It's the Six Degrees Collection. Here's what's included on it. The Kevin Bacon Collection. In the cut, Flatliners, Hollow Man, uh, The Big Picture, the uh, Christopher Guest movie, um, movie. Uh, what's it called? Trapped or Abandoned? Trapped. Trapped. And then the sixth one is the fucking Adam McGoy Where movie. the Truth Lies. Not a terrible movie. Isn't that the a threesome that movie? Is, but even calling the In the Cut a Kevin Bacon movie yes. is He's psychotic. In He's yes. in it. I know, but... That whole collection <laughs> is psychotic. <laughs> He's in it for a few scenes. The six but, uh, yes, degrees. You're right. That is that is technically the only way That's to That's the only way to get it. Wow. But anyway. Bright Star has never been released on Blu-ray. I believe no, right? No. It's weird that that's not a Criterion movie or whatever. I don't know what... I think... There's weird right stuff, I'm sure. I feel soft like it's in the answer. maybe coming. It might be coming. Yeah. Um, but especially now with yes. Power mm-hmm. of the yeah. Dog. You know, I think Portrait of a Lady making $4 million domestic and getting two Oscar nominations basically is a is a clear it basically counts as a clear okay. for a movie this like uh difficult uh that's almost impressive this is a phenomenon i want to talk about yeah which is it sort of it it touches a little bit on our, our friend joe reed and uh uh his podcast this had oscar buzz mm. but it's the sort of like movie after the oscar breakthrough where the expectations are so fucking high and it's like, they're doing this, this subject matter, or adapting this, or working with these actors. They have this cast. They're getting this budget level. And it comes out, and there's, like, a sense of complete deflation that it's not another, like, fucking wolf whistle masterpiece. But it doesn't totally bomb. And then it gets, like, a couple salvage nominations. Right. I mean, most recently, I'm thinking of if Beale Street could talk. Right, which did better than right. this. Which whatever, is a movie that I think is a masterpiece, yeah, but it's a but perfect it, example yeah. of like, it wasn't Moonlight again the in the public consciousness. The thing that was smart about with Be- if Beale Street could talk was it came out so quickly after Moonlight right. that it was almost like, let yeah. me just get that whole right. conversation out of the way, right? But you that's, know, like, that's that a whole, great example. Like, how are you following And that's a rare one that gets like the one win, right? But uh, that's an example. I feel like uh, Memoirs of a Geisha is an incredible yes. example of Absolutely. that. Um a uh, very long engagement after Amelie is one I've always mm-hmm. been very fascinated with. That movie's good, though. I like that movie a lot. I think very often, long this is my point. I think mm-hmm. very often a lot of those movies end up being good. Like, the the king of this genre, I would argue, is Talented Mr. Ripley, which now has been reclaimed as a, a masterpiece. Classic. But, but right. at, at the time, absolutely yeah. uh, uh, People underwhelmed were like, oh, with critics. Right. Interesting. And the Oscars. I, Although it's still got, you know. So I think like 50% of the time with distance, you're like, oh, that one actually ages better than the yeah. one that was the Oscar movie. Often true. Sure. What was John, and sometimes they sort of disappear. What was John Madden's follow-up to Shakespeare in Love? Was it Wasn't Captain, Captain Crowley's Mandolin? mandolin? <laughs> <laughs> now that's an example of one that's just like... But that yeah. was the thing, though. Like yes. after, I mean, obviously, no one came out of Shakespeare in Love being like 
I got to see what John Madden's doing next. No offense to the guy. Oh, sure, but he had. But he certainly had clout. Yes. yes. I'm triple checking that it was his fault. Yes. But Captain Crowley's Mandolin, people mock it now because Nicolas Cage had a funny accent, but that book was a 90s oh, yeah. bestseller yeah. on every shelf type thing. So, yeah. like, he's making Captain Crowley great. And then yeah. you cast an American guy as an Italian and a Spanish woman as a Greek lady. Also, Mistakes producer Ben and, and Marie Barty are here. Yeah, hey guys. Hey. Marie, Marie it's a Barty party. What's you up? wouldn't steal a DVD. Yeah, I'm wearing a wear. super yaki yeah. shirt that someone sent me for my birthday two years ago. Uh, I, I cool. just think it's this movie is such a good example of that exact phenomenon, which is. can play out different ways. And there is that thing where it's like, oh, it's thought of as like a disaster, but then you're like, it got okay reviews and it did get a couple of scrapes nominations. Scraped and uh, right. I but would say a surprising Barbara Hershey nom. I know she got every precursor. It's not like it came out of nowhere, but you watch this movie. She's great in the movie, in my opinion. She's yeah. my favorite part of this movie. I agree. But it's not like you watch this movie and you're like, well, I can see why the Oscars just had right. to give it to her. I think it's impressive that it, you know, Who stayed else was in the nominated that year? I'll look it up. Is this the English patient year? Yeah. Uh, so Binoche right? It is. Yes. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Binoche so, You're right. Binoche wins. So this is the Binoche versus Lauren Bacall. Right. Mm-hmm. And then you've got uh, Marianne Jean-Baptiste in Secrets and Lies. A Oof. great nod. Mm-hmm. But, and, and you know, there's a world where she could have won. Because that's sort of almost a quasi-lead role. And, like, she's really good. But There's a world where she could have won if Miramax only had one right. of right. those two they were, you know. And right. then Joan Allen in The Crucible, which is just sort of that start of, like, Joan Allen yeah. gets a nom. You know, that, like, right. sort of was, late 90s thing. Was that the only nomination The Crucible got? That's, Probably. like, a movie that doesn't that's exist. That yeah. movie stinks. Yeah. Um, it got an adapted screenplay nomination for Arthur Miller. Okay. It's kind of like when they nominated Kenneth Branagh for adapting Hamlet. He didn't cut any part out of it. The movie's four hours long. He just sort of said, like, I'll film this. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. I threw them not to nominate Shakespeare. You, you should get credit. Yeah, exactly. Give yeah. it to Billy. Yeah, give it to Billy. Um, and uh, Lauren Bacall, Jonah. yeah, but and then Binoche, right? Binoche is a quasi lead too. That's why right. she won partly. I mean, the, America had English Patient fever that year. Yeah, it was out of control. I mean, in my opinion, Binoche is the best part of the English Patient, and it's a weird win when you think about Julia Binoche's career. I've never seen the English Patient. I've never seen it either. Yeah. Wow. Because it was we're like it's the Seinfeld episode. Patient, <laughs> favorite movie. When oh, the it, oh, when the oh, English oh. guy is patient, yeah. I yep. love that. That's I should mention Ben is covered patience. in bandages right now. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, absolutely. The English patient is not bad, and yet That's it is. That's what I've heard. Yeah. Yeah. I would say maybe my least favorite Mingella. Hmm. What are his other movies outside of Ripley Breaking and, and Entering? Yeah, okay, it's probably better than yeah, Breaking and David, Entering. Although that movie is interesting. Um, his other deeply. movies are Truly Madly Deeply, uh, Cold Mountain, and um, Towns of Miss Ripley. Okay, I've, I've only seen Ripley, which is in the Barty canon. I mean, Ripley is his best one. Yeah. What's uh, Cold Mountain about? I <laughs> know <laughs> uh, it's actually very complicated. It's like a civil yeah, war epic where a guy is uh, getting yeah. like this Odyssean okay. journey also, back also home. Starring the star of Portrait of a Lady, Nicole Kidman. That's yes. true. I mean, Cold Mountain is half an awesome movie, and then the Nicole Kidman half, in my opinion, is is much more. It's flawed. got great stuff in it. It's got great stuff. It's in got it. great looks cool. Stuff in it. Yeah, got Jack White in it. Jack White. Like he's that. like playing really the cool fiddle. Hey, is that's that, fun. Is that how he met Renee? I think it is. Oh yeah. Oh yeah, and she, yeah. A, a for those who don't know, yeah. Jack White and Renee Zellweger were a couple for a minute. Um, I think that was I was going Renee to won say a, won one of her two deserved Oscars. J.K. 
uh, uh, Barbara yeah, Hershey. You have to remember, she starts acting when she's like a teenager. Mm-hmm. Yeah. She's on oh, TV. Oh, in that Frank Carey movie, which yep. is one of the most horrifying movies I've ever seen. What's it called? Last Summer. Yes. Oh my God. Wild. And then she marries uh, David Carradine. Yep. And she's like this very public, like hippie child. And she changes her name to Barbara Siegel yep. because she's on the set of a movie and she sees a seagull die over her head. And she That's, felt that, that is, that is last the summer. Frank Carey movie. Right. Last Summer. She felt the spirit entered her. And she's like kind of a a a gossip rag sort of fixation for like bit. this kooky hippie girl yep. where she can't get any respect as an actor. Her marriage overwhelms it. All I think this stuff. she she becomes right. They become like a couple unit in the yes. eyes of right. Somebody. Right. She's right. so good in Boxcar Bertha when yeah. she met. David but this Gerard. that's like the first movie where someone's really kind of like figuring out great, what to do with her and yeah. then it's like her career doesn't really take off until the 80s at which point she's like Beaches 15 years last in temptation baby beaches last temptation obviously hannah and her sister really yeah. good yeah. she wins back to back best actress awards at con is that so yes shy people and the other one i'm forgetting the name oh of. shy people that's been on my list Very, for a minute yes. Yes. It's that Russian watched, director right yes it's the guy who directed yeah, a world, tango and Cat. A yeah, world apart. That yeah is the other one, which was like a sort of a shared win. Like all the women were given Best Actress Weird. from that film. But, but she's yes. like the above the title. I believe she yeah. is. And it's like that's a, uh, the next year. So that right. is crazy. So I'm just what saying, like phenomenon. I was digging into her. She's so good in Last Temptation. Yeah. Great performance. But, but she gets the Globe for that, uh, the nomination. She doesn't get the Oscar nomination. Too much controversy. She got two BAFTA nominations. She didn't get the Oscar nomination. Portrait of a Lady is sort of, it just feels like the Academy going like, Fine, we accept Barbara Hershey. You're a legitimate actor. Well, you know, like she's her- just had a good ten years. Ag- agreed with that. Yeah, agreed with that. That, that. I do think it's part of the, and they got critics awards and all that. But yeah. um, her two BAFTA nominations. The first was for Hannah and her sisters. Right. But what was the second for? The second one's something bizarre, right? Black Swan. Right. That was kind of her comeback. I love. She it. wasn't really in anything notable, right? I, no, after that was a, Portrait of a yeah. Lady. I love it when the BAFTAs do that. Yes, I wish do. they do it more. I think yeah. they are starting to do it more again. They're getting weirder again. There was a I period they, where they were kind of like just being an Oscar right. precursor. I feel like they nominated Tilda Swinton for Burn After Reading, which is another nomination I loved. Love they might have. That, that, that's fun. They also uh, famously nominated uh, Eddie Murphy for Best Supporting Actor. For and let Shrek. me check my notes. Well, you beat me to it. Wait, but, really? Yeah. Have, is that the only and vocal right. performance they've ever nominated? Probably right because I think they that was in the year they also nominated Robbie Coltrane for Harry Potter. Like it was, it's a very fun year. Yeah, it's a very fun. There's one year where they nominated like four different supporting performances from Vera Drake. They nominated like every sad. (laughs) That's the most. That's what they should have done. Yeah. Um, you're correct, however, that uh, they nominated Brad Pitt and Tilda Swinton for Burn After Reading. Brad Pitt, incredible nomination yeah. for Burn After Reading. Yeah. yeah. But see, I would have, I maybe would have given Malkovich. Well, you love the, that character. That's like my favorite. Yeah. Yeah. With one this, of my favorite characters. Listen to our um, uh, double Brothers threat episode. Bracken and double threat. Um, uh, all of this to say, I think there was this this Barbara Hershey, like finally the Academy gives in and recognizes sure. her. Right. And then as you said, Marie, she kind of like that's sort of the end of her really strong run. But it was, uh, uh, Sarandon was supposed to play this part. Oh, oh, in this. Okay. Drops out. And then she offered it to Sigourney, who of course she wants Sigourney to do the piano. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then Sigourney passes and then it goes to Barbara Hershey. It, a great performance. Yeah. yeah I, I like I like all the performances in this movie. Malkovich is the one that requires the most debate, but I think he's well cast. I think... Like, as that character. Yeah, I I think he's well cast as that character, especially with 
Campion's interpretation of that character, which I think is putting it in more of the realm of like a, a sexual yeah, malevolence right. versus him being an artist and an aesthete. Those elements are there, but I think she's mm-hmm. prioritizing the sexuality of him. You have read this book, Marie. Uh, no, I have not. What? I thought you had. Um, I'm I, sorry. Well, I read the book. What? No. I, I own the book. I started reading the book this week. Okay. <laughs> and then as I was reading it, I'm like, got, you know, I get, you know, X amount of pages in and I'm like, hmm, none of this stuff has really happened in the movie yet. And then I like jump on Wikipedia and it's she like, cut out the she first cut out the first third, third of the book. So I was it's like, long, oh, I'm not going to finish it in time for recording of this episode. Uh, it's a long book. And the first third, right, is, is yeah. all about her like rejecting the proposals and stuff, which she condenses yeah. to like two minutes and, at the start of the movie. I, David, look, I don't mean to blow up your spot on mic but oh. i've been waiting oh my god for... are you about to propose to david I'm not <laughs> to propose to david oh okay Sorry. he's married and i respect that wow okay i respect the sanctity of his marriage wow, cuck for fucking marriage over here um this episode has been on the spreadsheet for months okay and i've been waiting for you to step up and do the noble thing and you have refused so i now need to call you out on main I truly have no idea what he's about to say. You must recuse yourself from this episode because Portrait of a Lady was published in the Atlantic. <laughs> it was, which is actually something you must I had recuse forgotten, yourself. But it was published as a serial. You in are the Atlantic. It. That is so crazy. A mere hundred and thirty years before they hired. Yeah, so you, you, all the you same have, people. You're you working have with the so same people much today. in common with Henry James. You're both published in the Atlantic. Yes. You both are New Yorkers. Yeah, you are fascinated with Europeans. <laughs> You love kissing. I mean, sandwiches. Those that, of course, that's in back in the uh, when it was the Atlantic Monthly, and it was mm. published out of Boston. Mm. Uh, you know, the Atlantic was the famous, famous Boston institution until the two thousands. Yeah. Um. Uh. But yeah, isn't that funny? It's also funny because, like, God love Henry James. But, like, he's no Dickens or whatever. Where you're like, well, I can see how this was like serialized, right? And people were like. I can't wait for the next chapter. You know, it this, doesn't feel like fucking Bonfire of the Van. Heady, dense like, stuff. What shit. is right. Isabel Archer going to think next? <laughs> right, exactly. Like, but it was serialized in the Atlantic Monthly from 1880 to 1881. Wow, how interesting. I mean, that was his thing. Was he thought this book was unadaptable, and when he was first asked for permission to adapt it into play, he was like, "The best scene in the book is her sitting in a chair thinking." Right. I don't know how it's you're going to do It's a very internal well work. Let me. Oh, the dossier. Oh, then. David, please. Uh, just, just a little context. I know mm-hmm. you have much to say, Marie, of course. And uh, you've looked at the dossier too. I have yeah. things to say to you, David, just for the right. Well, you already launched with your. And Ben has things to say. I could say stuff. Ben's very uh-huh. capable on, of saying things. Well, do your thing. Oh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> so after the piano wins the Palme d'Or at Cannes yes. and three Oscars yes. and makes $40 million, despite yes. being a sexual fantasia about, uh-huh. you know, piano keys and fucking. It's the blank check thing we talk about. People are like, I have no idea why the fuck this worked. You couldn't design this movie. Clearly, you're just on to something. Go off she, and do it, it again. It's a guarantor. Hoop, hoop, yeah. skirt, cunnilingus. Absolutely. Uh, of course. Hoop. Can I get that one more time? Yeah. Yeah. Hoop. Yeah. Hoop. Skirt. 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 Cunnilingus. You're popping you. on the hoop. Okay. Um, <laughs> hoop. She's lined up this thing that she's always talks about in these early dossiers. We see this movie uh, called My Guru and His Disciple, mm-hmm. which is a memoir by Christopher Isherwood about uh, uh, his evil Hindu- genius and his minions. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah. <laughs> his guru. Uh, 
uh, Swami, I, I'm not going to even try to say his name. I don't want to. Yeah. Christopher anyway. Isherwood, famously the writer of the story behind Cabaret, correct? Mm-hmm. Uh, this is a long-term thing that she said she'd been talking about since like Angel at My Table or whatever, um, but it does not happen. Uh, I think part of the problem was, I don't know, the, the, the screenplay kind of had trouble and they never could figure it out. It just goes on produced. Okay. It's one of the, it's like El Diablo yeah. for Carpenter or whatever. It's just one of those projects that never happens. And instead, she also is thinking about Portrait of a Lady, her favorite book mm. of all time. Okay. Which, that's how I feel. If I'm like Jane Campion and I'm suddenly, people are knocking on my door, I might be like, well, what's like my favorite book ever? Right? Like you start to yeah. get pie in the sky. Right? I get what that. Is, what is your favorite book ever? I don't David? know. I know. Fuck, I'm on the spot. Someone else. I mean, have you thought about like your dream adaptation? If someone was like, David, here's your blank check. Because I've got mine. What's yours? Okay. Mine is another Henry James adaptation. Mm. I'd love to. If anyone in Hollywood is listening and can help Mm. me with this. Or back off if you're trying to steal it. Do not steal this idea. Adaptation of Washington Square. So another version of The Heiress. Mm. Except it's adapted to be a Britney Spears type. That does sound like a Marie Barty project. It sounds like a Marie Barty project. My mother wrote her college thesis on Washington Square. Really? Yes. Um, You know, Stoner is one of my favorite books, Mm. which is supposedly getting turned into a movie starring Casey Affleck. Like, that's been happening for years. Who knows if it's going to... Like, Blumhouse is producing it. What? Uh, Which is... As much as it's called Stoner, and I know Ben perked up at that, it's like... (laughs) It's about a depressed middle-aged English professor, oh. but it's really, really good. Well, <laughs> uh, quietly three best picture nominees, though. It's a thing that, that doesn't get talked no, about. No, it's enough. true. They'll occasionally dip their toe in it's, prestige. It's just it's impressive that among all his other achievements, Jason Blum has personally pulled down three best picture nominations. But everything I'm saying about this, just it's just sort of like like what you're saying. Like mm-hmm. this book seems unadaptable. No one had ever really, you know, figured out how to approach it. But I guess Gene Campion is just like, that's my favorite book. It, it like transformed how I think about things. Like, it, it yeah. stuck with me. I, there has to be a way for me to like crack that one open. Marie, you tipped us off to the the documentary the on the special features. Yes, of the DVD. There, there is a. Uh, it's on YouTube. Behind too, the scenes yeah. doc. It's on the Blu-ray, but it also is on YouTube. It is fascinating. It's incredibly candid. Um, you get to see actors feeling insecure about right. their performances and just being insane on set. <laughs> sort of just like verite, fly on wall, you're from distance. It's a little hard to hear a lot of what's saying yeah. because they're clearly just sort of like capturing shit from a distance. But uh, the process of working over scenes take after take after take and uh, like Shelley Winters and Nicole Kidman respond by just like emotionally breaking down mm-hmm. and uh, John Malkovich becomes very quietly hostile in a way that's surprising from John Malkovich. Or, but but as Bill Hader would say, he goes on a bizarrely articulate jack. Um, there's it a is line, fascinating. I mean, the Shelley Winters thing says, is especially like, fascinating because yeah. she's such a heavyweight. You're sort of like, yeah. this is Shelley Winters. Like, this isn't her first rodeo. Like, but there's yeah. that thing she says where she's like, everyone tells me this is apparently a thing that like Shelley Winters likes to be like pushed into right. performances. I don't want to be a bully. It makes me feel uncomfortable. But like that's apparently what I have to do and I don't know whether I should tend to her or like... There are some very interesting and um, impactful things that happen to Jane Campion in between making the piano yes. Bef- and Portrait of a Lady. I'm about to get to that, but first yes. I want to read her quote about why she loves the book. Yes, go ahead, Dave. Uh, one in 10,000 people read the novel and of those who read it, many don't bother finishing it. Mm. But I did this for myself. Sometimes in life you read things 
uh, or see things that make what you're struggling with seem real or reasonable. I think Henry James has the gift of doing that for me. He's grappled with telling stories that are profound and yet human. So that's obviously relating to the sure. fact that post-piano, well, I want to get the, the, yeah, yeah, right. It's right after the piano. In November 1993, Jane Campion has a baby, Jasper, and the baby dies after 10 days of life support. He was born like with a, Deathly defect. She, uh, she's like, pregnant you know. at Cannes when she wins the Palm right. Door. Wow. And by the time that by the time she, she wins, the, wins Oscar, the Oscar, she has right. lost the baby, which means that she had to do all of her award season campaigning, grieving right. the loss of her child. And uh, the, that's I mean, unreal. Which the is unreal. The, yeah. And then the other crazy thing is she, because she has a daughter, Alice Englert, you can yeah. see her in movies, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. that terrible movie about snakes, a much better movie about witches I saw at Sundance this year. But she was pregnant with her six months after Jasper died. Yeah. So if Jasper died in November, that's like April or whatever. So it's like right after the Oscar. Mm-hmm. It's so bananas. Um, but she uh, said that, you know, it was supposed to be the best time of her life. Basking sure. exactly, the right. success she's, of she's her movie. Climbed the mountain. And right. she, it was the worst time of her life. There's an incredible quote from her in the dossier that's from a film comment interview like years later where she says like, people say making movies isn't a cure for cancer. I disagree. Filmmaking is a cure. It gives you a reason for living. When my son died, on the third day, I was devastated. I didn't know what to do with myself. I went to see Orlando. Great movie. Mm-hmm. No one's seen it. Great movie. Uh, it was so beautiful. The earth can be transformed. There are moments of wonder, extreme wonder, and that's all worth living for. In an act of making a movie, you are involved with those moments, those transformations. For me, it's been a way of life that's totally fulfilling. Wow. Such a great it's quote. Beautiful. Yeah. It's very sad, but it's also very yeah. powerful. Yeah, no, and I mean, and she's directing this movie with a toddler on set, mm-hmm. and they like cover that in the documentary yeah. that trying to figure out how to balance those two parts of her brain. The the thing that jumped out to me in the documentary, uh, which I only watched half of before I fell asleep, but also it's it's just so fucking hard to hear what they're saying that I want to watch it like six times because. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I tried to put the fucking auto subtitling on YouTube, and it that that's made never up works. nonsense gobbledygook. <laughs> right. But um, uh, she has the thing where she's like, uh, I tell people I'm doing portrait of a lady, and people go, Oh, I can't wait to see what you do with that, what your take on it is. Mm-hmm. And she's like, I hadn't really thought that I needed a take or whatever, or, or, or like- that. I, I mean it's almost an admission from her that she's just like, I'm just making another movie and that now there's an expectation of like, oh, oh sure. what, right. when we see Portrait What's of Jane Henry James Campion's through Portrait the lens of, of James right. Campion? She's still like, what, I'm making yeah. movies. Right, right, yeah. right, right. I mean, that A, I think, as you said, it's her favorite book. It's just like, I'm just going to make the, the movie I would make off of this. Uh, I'm not really thinking of how to transform the material into this medium or whatever. In that deliberate way, but also uh, that she's not thinking about how she is perceived and what people expect out of a Jane Campion movie. It's a weird level of fame. Sorry, yeah. Marie, what do you yeah well, I, I think she, I think she does have a take on the material. Oh, definitely. yes, and I think we're going to get into that. Um, but I also think that yes, she is navigating a part in her career that is new to her. Right. That is the weight of expectations. The weight of the follow-up, which we talk about in every series we do on the show. Yeah. Um, and, you know, it's, it's interesting that we have this record of her on set. Right. Literally grappling with that. It's also, like, I mean, she keeps on talking about, like, I, I'm 
glad I didn't make this movie earlier in my career because I didn't. I don't think I had the confidence to oh, work conf- with actors. Yes, that's to a this very interesting part. I, I was sort of intimidated by actors. Right, right. And then there's sense. like this interview with Especially Malkovich. Especially big actors. Like, right. You know, yeah, yeah. But Malkovich is like, uh, you know, I have a very fiery temper, and I'm <laughs> I'm not easy known. to work. Right, I'm right. I'm known for this. It's my reputation. And then they cut to her just being like, she has this line where she's like, John, I don't know if it's just because like, I mean, obviously, because I I know that you are acting, but sometimes I'm watching it and I feel like you're acting. (laughs) And then they cut to Malkovich and he's like doing his like whisper silent, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. Like, just very focused, like, um, you know, I mean, I, I, come on, you know, this isn't a Botticelli painting. I mean, I understand <laughs> we don't want this to look like a porno movie out of focus, but let's just get it done. Yeah, it's, the shoot did not seem like a fun time. No, and they sort of say like it was like it was great when Malkovich rapped and they say it like because, you know, those scenes are so difficult. Sure. Uh-huh. They, they, right. The most emotionally debated, right. I guess. But, but right. But no, he also no. Has this line. it would be funny if like you see like them popping shit. Right. It's a, it's, <laughs> they almost do. I mean, it's like the last thing they shoot with him is they make him shave his beard and paint his mouth blue to do the close up on his mouth. When he says like, I, I love you. I am in love with I you am in or love whatever. With you. And mm-hmm. it's like his. It, I think one of the standout scenes in the film, yeah. which is her the, little travelogue. Those sequences are my favorite. So yeah, when they're, she, they're she goes like full fucking Jean Vigo, yeah, yeah it rules. But um, uh, Malkovich also has this thing he says, in, it, well, and when he walks off of that set, everyone does feel like they're waiting to like fucking pop. The, it's it's right. also funny because Richard E. Grant, who is also in this movie, has an the insane cast. cast. It does. Uh, Let's but, just name some people who are in this movie. Uh, Shelley Duvall. Shelley Duvall. Christian Shelley Bale. Winters. Christian Bale. Viggo Mortensen. Yeah, Mortensen with a very nice Parker. haircut. Mm-hmm. Uh, John Gilgood. And a, a certain man. John Gilgood going like this. And a certain man who had only one word for us. Tenet. 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 Yes, Hap himself, Martin Donovan. Martin Donovan, who at this point in his career is mostly known for Hal Hartley movies. It's funny how he kind of went from being this like quintessential, like intellectual, like soft boy to being like Mr. Suit. Yeah. I know. It, it is weird. He's he, right. He, he's a chameleon. No, he's, uh, it's just funny how Hollywood like changes its perception of you. Right. As a character actor. Right. In that way. Like, right. Where like right. you do, do a couple of those and it's like, yeah, you're Mr. Businessman now right. or whatever. Yeah. Um, but it's just so funny in this in this behind the scenes doc when Richard E. Grant, who is in the beginning of the movie, yes. comes back later in the movie and also comes back later to film. And he's, right. you know, dishing with the makeup artist like, right. Ooh, what did I miss? He is seems, everyone miserable now? Right. He seems like the anti-Malkovich. Though, I think yeah, he's the most seems like in the world to work fun. with. Yeah. He's fun. Yeah. Like, yeah. He's a good time. Right. But the, yeah. the other thing Malkovich says is he's like, you know, I've always bored the process of how long these things take. And when I started making movies, it was unpleasant and it has now gone from like unpleasant to unbearable there's i don't understand why we need to do 120 takes you know what this is making me want to see what behind the scenes talk a space force or whatever imagine what a barrel of laughs he is on that one i'm trying to remember this anecdote that i think someone shared with both of us okay or was it just with me might have just been with you i think it was just with me that on space force there was some scene where they Asked, it is called Space Force, right? I don't really yeah. remember these. Right. Yeah. I'm going to get this wrong. It's funnier than what I'm about to relay, but this is the basic idea of it. 
I think they like asked Malkovich if he wanted another take and he was like, what's the point? It's not going to make it any better. Sure. Like right. it's another take isn't going to make this good. He's a famous stage actor early in his career. Yes. He's obviously, like we said, from the Steppenwolf company. It does seem like he's one of those guys who's like, I hate how they make movies. And it's like, bitch, stop making them. <laughs> yes. But he got famous and he got a lot of money. Like, he can have he a liked, club in Lisbon, I guess. Right. So, yeah. right. And what everyone are you else, do? And like Steppenwolf is like so heady and serious and sort of like text based. And he's like, I don't know. I walk on and I say things. And then movies, they make me do it too many times and I can't <laughs> right. fucking yeah. stand it. It does seem annoying. I wouldn't like it either. He also has that quote where he's like, it, 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 a production like this, you do understand why it's a job. Yeah. Why acting yeah. is a job it is. because it's just sometimes so unbearable. Yeah. So basically your impression from this documentary is this was a tough shoot. T- a very tough shoot. This is her biggest budget movie ever until Power of the Dog, I believe. Yeah. Right? And she's just kind of keeping... Kidman on hair trigger for the yes. entire shoot. Like and that's a, it, it, there's something to her take on this, which is just like to have the the abusive controlling guy be Malkovich and never really have him blow up, right? Like the king of like the simmering, terrifying. Right. The whisper. most he does is like this will be a very calculated move by you. Like right. he, he his words but he never get even pointed. gets that. No, but he loud. never exactly. Like, it's yeah. always so quiet, and Kidman never has like the fall to her knees Oscar scene. It's like just the whole movie she's trembling, right? Like she just had to be kept in this space for months. And she talks about like some days I just come to set and I'm like done. I'm dead. I'm not relaxed. I can't access these things. And I tell her I can't do it. And Jane pushes me. And when she uh, finished this movie, she said she was in bed for two weeks afterwards. So this this is a great segue. We've talked about Barbara Hershey. We've talked about Malkovich, but Mm -hmm. we got to talk Kidman. We We do. I mean, this This is a very... very crucial point in her career. It is because she's, it's post to die for, right? It, it, the year before the year this after. is to die for and Batman forever. So it's like, she has this huge fucking hit. She's, Playing the best DC comics character of all time, Dr. Chase Meridian. Well, I don't know if you know this, but IMDb <laughs> trivia tells us that her name is Dr. Chase Meridian as a subtle allusion to the fact that she is chasing Batman. It's my favorite IMDb trivia fact. I mentioned this at least three you times. You mentioned it many times. I just someone was just so proud when they typed that up. Poked up exactly yeah. like Akiba Goldsmith later. He's like Doctor Chason. He's like looking around and in the maps. Wait, and it's like she's Greenwich not. Mean she's time. not in the comics. No. No. Oh no! Absolutely not. All those early Batman movies just Vicky have. Vicky, Vicky Vale's in the comics. She is. Yeah, but, yeah. You know, like. But, like, I just feel like it was this thing of, like, there has to be a woman who who's on Bruce Wayne's mind, right? Yes. Like, the, the right. Nolan movies and all that don't really care about. I mean, they have well, Rachel, Rachel, Dawes, Rachel but, like, she's at least sort of, like, in the action a little bit. Right. Like, right. like the Elle McPherson, you know. The Elle yeah. McPherson one's the weirdest is, one. Where it's just sort of like, well, there's also, like, a lovely lady that Bruce right. could consider settling down with. But I do. I feel like. I uh, guess Rachel does just an evolved version. Of yeah. Something. Yeah. Batman Forever. And, and then who could forget? Talia Al Ghul. What was her fake name? I don't know. Spoiler alert. Professor. Uh, go on. Museum person. No, so, all I was going to say is the year before this, Batman Forever is arguably a movie star level up for her, right? Yeah. Uh, she's obviously like a big ass star. It, and it's hard to understand how successful that was. It yeah. was so But it, it doesn't matter that the movie was successful. We didn't know if she could really act. Sure. It would well, be to die to for. Dis- that's yes, point. Die for that's is my the, point. Right. Is in the same year she has this movie star Wins level the globe. up. She has a movie star level up without Tom Cruise, right? Yeah. And then she has this movie that proves like, holy shit, she can act. So she's coming into 96 like about as hot as she could be. Right. And this, yeah, 
as you said, at this point, she was most famous for being married to Tom Cruise. They're in two movies together. The second one bombs. Far and away. They're and, in two of Tom Cruise's uh, Days of worst Thunder. movies. Right. Yeah. No offense. To D- Days of Thunder is like an okay time, but like it's not that good. Days it's of like Thunder, one of Tony Scott's worst Days movies. of Thunder is kind of the Porsche of a lady to uh, uh, Top Gun's piano. Right. Wow. Where it's like, Brilliant yeah. analogy, Griffin. It's true. Thank you. You're, you're, yeah. you're you're right though. Yeah. They're like yeah. this, you know, like yeah, like let's right. let's, let's let's change all the elements. But it's it's, it's essentially right. It's yeah. She's me a she's like to put the, yeah, the, 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 the worst follow up right. that's kind of similar. Yeah, she, she's Australian okay. teen mm-hmm. actor who uh, is discovered by uh, Jane Campion earlier. Mm-hmm. Career wanted her to be in her short film, um, and then. Dead Calm is sort of the thing that gives her the crossover success, the American breakthrough. Dead right? Calm and then Billy Bathgate, right. Malice. Malice. So it, yes. She's Tom Cruise Malice. notices her. Now she's... I just yeah. want... I mean, maybe we've mentioned BMX Bandits before, but a very Ben movie. I assume he's never seen. I've never but seen it. Brian just, just, Smith. just, you know, in energy. Yeah. BMX Bandits. Yeah. She's got That's an maybe the most hair anyone's ever very had in that big, movie. Very red, curly. Also, you know. She's ben, got a bit I, of a Janet frame. Yes. Yes. That's true. Uh, Ben, I just want to call out, you have been on Malkovich's (laughs) clothing website for the last 30 minutes. And I want to make it clear, he's been scrolling through it. Like, Ben's been going through... Far and away, just to, just like, is that the worst Tom Cruise movie? Like, that is a real stinker. Kind of like, real... I just feel like I hear no one defend any aspect of it. Much mocked. The accents. accents, Right. right. I have not seen Far and Away. I've heard the accents are bad. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the score is good, right? I feel like they reuse. But the we score. need we need to remember that Tom Cruise is also in Rock of Ages. Yeah, but okay, Rock of Ages is so awful. Tom Cruise is good in it. Yeah, where he's bad in front. Okay, of yeah, important. I mean, Tom Cruise, I think make. the worst Tom Cruise movie. You know, you could have shouted like Lions for Lambs, or like there's right. a couple like that that are real. But, but I think you're right that the worst Tom Cruise movie has to be a movie in which Tom Cruise is bad, which is rare. He's my favorite movie star of all time. We love. Tom we Cruise, love Tom Cruise. Uh, reservedly. I was about to say unreservedly, but uh, you know, reservedly. Ben, ben, just any quick takes on the fits that Malkovich is throwing? It's it's giving me fop. <laughs> <laughs> this guy walks in here and I'm getting fop. It's a lot of like, are there like cravats? Yeah, cravats. <laughs> right. Marie? <laughs> of course. You have to filter for cravats. You yeah. have to get them off. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> And his whole thing was like, I couldn't, I couldn't find this stuff anywhere. You know, it, it, Kidman's 90s is sort of an Angelina Jolie-esque thing where it's hmm. like, wait, yeah. is this person actually a movie star or just someone that people talk about all is the time? Is she famous like, for being famous? Is she famous right. for being hot? Is she actually right. a good actor? And she I, switched between. I and do 95 is like her most triumphant year yeah, until the is. 2000s. But yes. I do think Moulin Rouge, the beat on her is so like, sure, she's good in To Die For. Right. But like, has Nicole Kidman ever really proven that she can one was that launch a, a was movie? Was she just used well as Gus Van Sant, smart director, get an okay. Oscar or whatever? Right, right. Well, To Die For is an incredible performance. It's yes. an incredible performance. It's a good movie. And it also, when you watch To Die For and Portrait of a Lady back to back, you're like, wow, range. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, I mean, um, but I do, but I'm not saying I was always fairly pro Kidman. Yeah, I'd say as a as a young lad. But I would say that she really had a lot of detractors in the mm-hmm. 90s. Mm-hmm. The, 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 the celebrity factor Huge part worked against it. her. Um, um, both the celebrity and the celebrity couple. Like right. Both things. Right. Yes. She was throwing fits, though. Can we say that? She absolutely yeah. was. Yeah. Those She's 90s gorgeous. paparazzi photos of her, man, she was like, she was like serving some shit. You know, shit. post this, and this movie obviously doesn't go over, 
Peacemaker. Uh, Peacemaker no. doesn't go over. Right. Practical, Practical Magic, Magic, not an acting movie. But absolutely a, fucks so hard. A yeah. beloved <laughs> One of film. David's favorite films. Uh, huge fan of Practical Magic. And she's really good in it. And she's doing something different in it. Right. She's the bad girl. Yeah. But that movie was not a total hit either. Yeah, at the it was time. like a reasonable double. Right, right. Um, and then Eyes, Eyes Wide, Wide Shut, Shut is very controversial. She's amazing in it, but it's, at the it, time, yeah, it it's got it's a bad considered rap. a masterpiece. Now, at the time, people were more reserved. And it sucks up like tears of her life. Yes. And, and then, then and then the two thousand, she just comes explodes. Explodes. So fucking. But hot. it's the two thousand one double punch. Right. The, the others. And the others. Oof. Right. Like two original movies, yeah. not based on fucking anything. Well, Box that's not true. Mulan Rouge is kind of based on. Right. No, oh no, but it's based on Camille. <laughs> right. And it's also kind of based on like. Mulan Rouge is kind of based on it. Like, okay. you know, but, you know, it's not really like, you know. We got we got to do Buzz at some point. I'm, yeah. I'm so pro. I know. Oh. Yeah. What if we like have a rule where we do like one Australian New Zealand director a year? <laughs> right. <We> just add <laughs> to our ridiculous <laughs> series of rules. Um, uh, and that, that, and after that, for fucking Elvis. Yeah, after that, Kidman is gold, right? Like, right. So she wins the Oscar the next year, but, but it's, it's like also that, that she's that the year single-handedly melts like, her. Right. That year single-handedly mints her to a degree where no one's questioning her anymore. Never. And it's like Never the again. fact that the others makes a hundred million dollars released at the doldrums of August. You know, and then like. Then the next year, the hours, it's like, well, I guess she's overdue. Yeah. Um, and Denzel Washington said, buy a nose. Oh, God, that was. What do we think about that? Was corny. that kind of mean? I don't think it was corny. I don't think it was mean. Because I remember the conversation at the time being like, oh, just another example of a beautiful person making themselves ugly to win. An that was absolutely. There's people a run of best actress winners because Monster is right around yeah. there. You know, like where people were like, oh, do you have to quote Monsters unquote ball, decline Monster's ball makeup? Yeah. Right. Um, but uh, but um, I think she won because one, she has like this killer speech, you know, that's yeah. and she's playing a real person. Which mm -hmm. the Oscars yeah, I love for. She's overdue. She's overdue. And yeah, and like it's a transformation. So, you know, like it was, a, I mean, and people were just so into, I mean, this is the other thing we need to talk about. Julianne Moore should have won that year. Yes, absolutely. Whatever. When we're talking about uh, Kidman hitting the 2000s so hard, the other thing is the fucking the Tom Cruise marriage. Like, once the divorce yeah. happens, she wins that. She immediately is seen in a different light. And he hasn't started torpedoing himself yet, but it's still like, ooh, I like this fucking Nicole on her. Wow. Well, yes. I didn't give it to Julianne. You didn't give it to Julianne? No, I gave it to Diane Lane. And, and, and I'd do it again. You okay. do it again. And I'd do it again. Those weren't for those. Not, not, un like what's un not Unforgiven, Unfaithful. Unfaithful. God. It would be wild if yeah. I gave it to her for Unforgiven. Yeah. What if Diane Lane movie was? movie that she's not in. The Clint Eastwood um, Wow, this is a good five. Ooh. Well, well, give us the David, now you, you got to share the five. You Diane Lane and Unfaithful and Julianne Moore and Far From Heaven. Uh -huh. The two I've got with the Oscars. Okay. Samantha Morton and Morvern Collar. Incredible. Okay. Yeah, of course. Yeah. About to be released on Blu-ray. Emily Murdermer in Lovely and Amazing. Mm. One of my oh, favorite great movie. Mm -hmm. And Natasha McElhone in Solaris, baby. Bam. Wow. <laughs> you didn't see that coming? <laughs> David, no. David just did like a rock'em sock'em robot pose. <laughs> I did a, yeah. Yeah. an uppercut. Wow. Yeah. Anyway. Um, so uh, Nicole in this movie, as you said, she's very much <laughs> quivering, trembling. Yes. I mean, the poster Constantly. is basically her having a migraine. She's, <laughs> she's, she's, she, like, she's also putting herself through physical torture by committing to wearing a very tight corset. A, a 19 inch yes. corset. I know yeah. Nicole Kidman is a skinny woman. To but that, that right. is something you have to work your way towards. Yes. To, yeah, right. They to had get to like into uh, a corset that like tight. Yeah. Uh, um, it's wild. 
Yes. I, I wanted to say something. Uh, this is not Kidman, really. We'll get right back to Kidman. Oh, but no. I did, I've, I've said all. I've said my Kidman piece. Fair enough. Well, right. we'll, you know. Mm -hmm. uh, Merchant Ivory, apparently, mm. had been interested in doing Portrait of Milady. Makes sense. And Merchant, Ismail Merchant, mm -hmm. upon hearing the news that Campion would adapt the novel, said, we have about six projects in development. Maybe we'll get around to Portrait of Lady in 10 years. We don't want to race with anybody. We're proud to have paved the way for other artists to consider E.M. Forster and Henry James. James is a world-class writer, and any, everyone is interested in a world-class writer. I just love the idea that Merchant is like, yeah. I've got a whole fucking list of masterpieces. I, I can't do them all. Well, you remember, I'll get to Portrait of a Lady. Isabel Merchant used to do those upfronts like Kevin Feige where he'd come <laughs> out with the clicker. I mean, was that the original MCU? Yeah. The, like Merchant Ivory yeah. stable It's of just funny to think that like Jane Campion's like, well, I could do a Henry James novel. They're like, I don't know, man. Merchant Ivory. We got to call them on the phone. I'm scared of those guys. They might be working <laughs> on something. I'm just imagining them un unveiling like Andy Park concept art of what Christopher Reeve will look like in the in, in period of the day or whatever. Merchant right. Ivory Phase Five. Right, Wings Wings or, the <laughs> or like a Dante's Peak Volcano yeah. thing, where yeah. Merchant Ivory's like, "Oh, we got a portrait. <laughs> we oh, got portrait. You want to do one? We got one. You, uh, you wait till you yeah. see our fucking portrait. Yeah, I'll call Emma yeah. Thompson right now. She's available. <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, yes. Do you want to get into talking about this actual movie? Yes. Yeah. So well, and we should say. I did light candles because I thought it'd be elegant. Ben turned yes. up most of the lights and he lit candles. And this isn't a yes. bit. This is, I, I mean, it's maybe like a bit, farted or something. It. Like yeah. it was two <laughs> candles. It's not like he lit like, you know, 80 candles. No, <laughs> two it's, little candles. It's, it's, a, it's a little romantic. It's a little romantic. A little Victorian. Yeah. As everyone now knows, Ben uh, prepared a tea party for us. High tea. Last week we had right. high tea. Mm -hmm. So uh, Ben might be going through a, a, a phase right now. A gilded era. A gilded era. Wait, am I my gilded era? You're gilded. You're gilded era. You're serving gilded. Uh, yes, this is a 600-page no, no, novel. <laughs> yes. It is very interior, mm -hmm. yes. like many a Henry James novel. It is very focused on its character psychology. Yes. Mm -hmm. It is not screaming out for adaptation. No. It famously has a non-ending. Right. Which is also not screaming out for adaptation. Right. Mm -hmm. It doesn't really send you out the door cheering. No. Nope. And, you know, Jane right away takes a big... Big swing by opening this movie with a sequence that takes place in contemporary times. Yes. It's shot in black and white and yes. has young women talking about their own sexual desire. Oh, overheard snippets, really. It's not like you're right. even seeing the people talking. You're just yeah. kind of seeing people, you know, moving around it, and it stuff. I kept feels... waiting for them to show up in the movie. <laughs> <laughs> they storm in. I mean, th th this honestly could be the sort of thing where you're in the theater and you're like, is this? Is this, is the, this right the wrong movie? movie? Am I in the wrong, the wrong theater? theater? It feels Absolutely. like a, a 90s uh, MTV mm -hmm. era yes. Kotex commercial. Teen speak. Right? Yes. Yeah. Talk. Right. I mean, in the notes I took, it's I what wrote, makes me a woman? Chokers, like it's one of piercings, the, right. thin eyebrows. Yes. Mm -hmm. I mean, yeah. we're really situating ourselves yeah. in the mid 90s with the style of these women. And uh, what she's obviously trying to do by beginning the film with the sequence is she's trying to place the uh, character of Isabel Archer and the situations she's facing squarely in the, our, our modern consciousness. Right. Sure. She is connecting that 
story to, to what today, women to contemporary in. times. Because what I think, if we talk about like what her take is on the material, I think that she is focusing on Isabel's passions and sexual desires uh, and how that motivates her decisions. Mm-hmm. And she's bringing to the forefront of her adaptation things that are hinted at, right. right? You know, obviously it's more sexually explicit. Not that it's a vastly explicit film, you, but like... I, I don't think we see any boobies in this. Well, you do see uh, Nicole's naked figure in one of the sort of, you know, John Vigo-esque sort of, sequences. Right. Right. That's oh, it. right, yes. right. You do see boobies But there. it's not no. like there's a... Uh, you do see boobies. You do see boobies. We don't see any dong. No. Fucking huge oversight. And yeah. Malovich will take it out. He took it out in one of those fucking I know. I mean, movies he made in the 80s. Secretary? <laughs> the, I mean, it's, it, this is a movie. I wasn't Malkovich. Right? <laughs> he walks up to the horse. <laughs> you think that's big? <laughs> it's, uh, no, he took it out and fuck. Is it called the Sheltering Sky? Yeah, oh. it's, it's like is the, the Bertolucci one? movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah Sheltering Sky. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, this is a movie that famously includes a foursome that does not feature nudity. Sure, a sort of yes, yeah, the, yeah. I will say this is like a little bit of an issue for me, where it's just like I was excited by a lot of the choices she's making the first forty-five minutes of mm-hmm. the movie. I think a lot of the most interesting sort of. So uh, you like the kind of phantom, the men like dissolving, yeah, yeah, things like that. Yeah, you like the the weird Jean Vigo yes. montage and this opening and all this stuff. I'm like, oh, she's really. Uh, Throwing some interesting yes. sort of like formalist exercises. We're finding into- out the house is not damp, right? Like that was the thing. Like right away, I'm like, okay, interesting. Lord she, Farquhar. She also she loves is. a moat. <laughs> Definitely we, wasn't we talk Lord about Farquhar. moats. Yes. Um, I just think like, oh, I love a moat. Do you guys? I like adore moats? a moat. Then why even waste the breath to tell us that? <laughs> well, I know, but I want to get know your you moat love takes. moats. Yeah, yeah, they're cool. Yeah, they right? seem good. Do they move? My, my, do I, I don't want like standing water around. No, why no it's, stand, it's standing yeah, water. Get the, gators. the gators stir it. They stir it. <laughs> <laughs> That's why they call gators nature spoon. Yeah. Because yeah. otherwise I feel like, yeah, you're going to get a lot of skeeters in the summer at your moat, you know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, no, I just, I, I have not read the book, but... That foursome sequence, I'm like, this is a really interesting way to uh, dramatize uh, internal uh, sort of battles within a person, you know? And uh, I, I, I wanted more of that experimentation, which there's a lot of at the beginning. And, and you're sort of like, wow, this is not what I expected out of this movie. And then I do think it falls a little more into, although with Jane Campion energy, the sort of more traditional stage. Well, Period. I Film. think she, yeah. it, I think she's making well. Just to kind of quickly go over the plot, Isabel Archer is a uh, woman in the Victorian era, late Victorian, who, era. Late Victorian era, the mm-hmm. Gilded Age. Mm-hmm. We're not quite well. Yeah, yeah, sure. Is yeah, it James like, Gilded it's like Age? Eighteen eighties. Yeah, her, yeah. her Ben years. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yes. Um, but she. Uh, I guess it. Yeah. She does not want to marry because she doesn't want to compromise her freedom. And Correct. Uh, uh, her and her friend is her friends are trying to marry her off. Yes, they're, they're, she they're has, throwing she boys just, at she's her. She's got she a lot of has, suitors. Yeah, well, 
Come on. Which is, yeah, yeah, we'll get into that. But she also knows that she, like, there's life she wants to yes. live. That's the thing she keeps in, like, I need to live more. I need more experience. I, there are things I want to. And the first half of the movie, we see her um, being offered these proposals of marriage mm-hmm. by different uh, suitors who the viewer would think are perfectly acceptable. Richard e. Grant. Vigo Mortensen, Mortensen, the the hottest he's ever looked. Very snackable. His name is Casper Goodwood. Pause pause here for a second. He is so pretty in this movie. It's beautiful. He's hot, but they're like, he's so delicate in this. And and to think this is like 10 years after Witness, it's not like this is the youngest he's ever been on screen. He's already worked a lot at this point. He's three years away from filming Lord of the Rings. Yeah. When he shows much. up in that movie, you're like, this guy's been Did, through some shit. Yeah. Was he like just hanging out with Jane Campion? I was like, I like these Kiwis. I want to go. <laughs> go Maybe. He's a guy. I mean, he's I, a very soulful actor. Oh, sort yes. of his uh, you know, reputation, especially back then. I think I've then. said this before, but I just always forget that he's American. He's yeah. not American. Well, he's he's kind of American, isn't he? He's like as Danish parents, but he's... Right, he was raised, raised in America. In America. He, he uh, was not raised... Oh, exclusively in American, raised all over. He is okay. Danish, uh, obviously by mm-hmm. birth. Sure, I don't know. He's he's quasi American. Okay, I would say uh, kind I, of I, like you. No, I'm like more American. Marie, what do you? What's mean? going on, David? I mean, David seems kind of European. Uh, what you, you in, sense like a little uh, touch of the Spaniard in him? What are you? Maybe maybe German. They lived. I've in noticed Venice? he does raise a pinky from time to time <laughs> at the high tea. Were you? Were you? Fucking spying on me while we were drinking high tea. He's got he's Looking got a touch of the pen. He does have a touch. <laughs> uh, yeah. Touch gilded. Uh, Venezuela, Denmark. They lived in Argentina for a long time. Wow. Uh, he well, speaks didn't he make an, Was it Hoja? What is that movie he made? That's uh, like Argentinian. I don't know. It's like J A U J A. I'm looking it up. Do you guys remember this from a couple years ago? No. Yeah, Hoja. Hoja. Wow. Uh, yeah, that was a 2014 film. Um, and, he's one uh, of those guys where you that's can where be he like, like gets into horses because you yeah. know, he's like, oh he, he loves knows how to ride a horse. He'll die. Then they go to New York when their parents when the parents divorce when he's a teenager, uh, and then he moves back to Spain and then Denmark. I don't know. He's been he's, all. He's yeah. a very sexy, worldly man. And then, you know, I feel like everyone is always talking about how he's like writing poetry and taking yes. photographs yes. and all that, right? Like he's yeah. he's one of those. He's types. a real artist. He doesn't. It's play the Hollywood it's, game. It's why it's so funny that then he finally was like, I got one more performance to get pizza. You know, like, <laughs> like, that was in him all along. I, just, I still can't believe that's him in that movie. It's so weird. I forget. It's like blocked out. It's so weird. It's so weird. It's, it is weird of them to cast him, right? Yeah. It is weird that he did it well. And it is weird that he got an Oscar nomination yeah. for him. All, like, all for whatever I think of that movie, I'm like, and he now he's did back, what they asked him. He's back to Cronenberg, right? right? It's not like he like went off Green Book and was like, let me be in a Marvel movie. Like, I'm, no. I'm hot No, again. there's always no. that thing with him where it's like, I don't know, maybe I'll never make a movie He doesn't again. make a lot of movies. Right. He, and, Captain Fantastic, 2014, yeah. or 16, Green Book, 2018, and then right. that film he directed. That, those are like his right. only movies of late. Green Book just did not seem like the kind of movie he would ever how watch. Did they, how did they get him? Uh, What's the connection there? To his house, I don't. I do, genuinely, the, the only you thing know how I'm, like some people like yes. secretly have worked with the Farrellys before, and I always forget, and right. I'm like, oh wow, I I forgot. But. All I know is that he was like 
the first person right. attached to that movie. Like he was the, the he, star. This is the other thing is like as as the Green Book Oscar season kept going on, Mahershala would sometimes like seem a little embarrassed by the movie and Vigo would double down. Like Vigo was so fucking proud of that movie. The only thing I know is that like they, I guess the Moonlight Captain Fantastic Oscar season was the same year. And they yeah. they hit it off. So there sure. was something of like they'd like to work together. Right. Yeah. I don't, I don't know. I don't fucking know either of the men. Uh, he like gained like 50 pounds for that movie. So, like he's crazy. He wanted to be in Green Book so badly <laughs> yeah. and then stood by and was like, look at this fucking thing. I want best picture. Yeah. I got nothing for best picture. I don't know. Anyway, anyway. Uh, he is in this film. He's very pretty. Yes. John Gielgud, uh, <laughs> sort of sort of a suitor, I guess. Well, Gielgud's not a suitor. No. His son is, though. Yes. Martin Donovan. Played by Martin Hap. Donovan. Um, uh, whose his actual character's name is Ralph. Ralph uh, touch it. Ralph Touch it. Ra- Goodwood. Goodwood. Touch, touch it. This movie should be hornier. That's, is my. It one sounds of my like takes. a fucking Bart <laughs> the Simpson prank call. Ralph is imprisoned, you know. Yeah, yeah. but it. it mm. Martin Donovan is is the person that she clearly has the strongest emotional connection. But to. he also is, is her cousin, <laughs> and he's dying. Good. good, good, good he's good, got. Good, what's good. up with the cousin stuff? Well, you know, yeah. a lot of cousins back you know? then. No, well, you know, sometimes people would marry their cousins, right? Like, because everyone's freaking cousins in the when I watch movies like this, society. I'm like, where were we on cousins at this point in time? Because right. I know we've slipped around. I back think and we forth. were cool with cousins until like the 50s. Yeah, Damn, that's basically wow. cousins. Yeah, so you're yeah. saying just cousins Cousin, were yeah. cool. It's like, really up until you know, recently. if you're looking for people, if you're always marrying off your yeah. kids within aristocracy. And then you're looking for your kids to marry an aristocrat. Like, it's all going to kind of Well, yeah, like all the fucking right? royal families are... Yeah, right. it's all They're incestuous. All, you know, Edward VII, the grandfather of Europe, because he had like, a often, bunch of kids and they all you know, yeah. moved around Europe, you know. Um, but she doesn't want to marry anybody. And her, her reason for not wanting to marry anyone isn't that she's not attracted to them. Because as we see by this foursome sequence, she is very horny. For these men, she's dreaming of them going. She's to dreaming town of them. It's like not she's like a she's a cold fish. No, Open but she yeah. knows that at this at this point in history, as a woman, once you are married, you sacrifice your independence. Right. Yeah, and she does not want to do that. And Ralph actually persuades uh, his dad, right? Yes. To or his yeah, his John dad Gilgood. Is, his dad, John Gilgood, is his dad and her uncle. Yes. yes. And he's like, actually give her money so she can like live the life she wants. Right. Leave right. her the fortune. Yes. Yeah. So she doesn't and he's have dying to marry. Of fucking consumption or whatever. Right. So he's, yeah, he doesn't. So the first part of the movie is her navigating these suitors. And then she goes to Florence, right? Uh, yes. Oh, no. Rewind because mm-hmm. I want to talk about the scene where she's introduced to Barbara Hershey. Right, she meets which happens in England. Madame Serena, Madame Merle, uh, right. Madame Serena Merle. Yeah, uh, and it, I, I really loved this sequence. We see Nicole walk into a room and we hear this really intense piano playing. We don't see who's playing the piano, but Nicole is like captivated, and so the audience is captivated. Like, who is playing the piano? And this is also coming after time where we are uh in the film where we are thinking about all of her suitors so i'm thinking it's going to be a man mm-hmm. and then it turns out it's this woman this ostensibly liberated woman yes beyond. like right like it's like she's sort of seems to be doing her yes. own thing yeah and so i'm like yes who is this bitch i love her <laughs> uh which i guess is kind of what isabel's thinking um and she's very interested in this woman uh 
and they go to Florence together and we find out that Barbara Hershey, aka Madame Merle, has ulterior motives. She wants to set her up with Gilbert Osmond. She's, yes, she's, John Malkovich. She's a little, a little bit of a Ghislaine Maxwell. I was about to say she is the Ghislaine I mean, Maxwell. Right? It's this thing of like, look <laughs> at this woman. Look at how confident she is. What's Isabel her is of like, age. But yes. I, look, I'm not saying the, the conditions are identical. No, no, but it's true. But she's, the pipeline of like, you hear uh-huh. all the stories of these young women. Ghislaine would come to them and she'd be like, you're so glamorous. You could come into society. You'd be such a big yeah. hit. And it's like, no one ever thought that of me. And then you get in there and then you're sort of pawned off to some other person. You're like, what's your relationship to that? They person? are exes, of course. Mm-hmm. That's well, the, we uh, don't, the ultimate we don't, revelation. Or, we don't know, we don't that. know that. Yeah. We know that there's some sort of sexual tension between mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, John Gilbert Malkovich and, and Barbara Hershey. Brother and sister. Right? No. They're not brother and sister? No, they are no. exes. <laughs> oh, okay. Interesting. <laughs> I don't know why I thought that was going on. Sure. Well, I, his sister is uh, Shelley Duvall. In the right. Movie. You know oh, Shelley Duvall really? from The Shining? Yeah. 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 Oh, okay. No. They don't look anything alike. No, sorry. Go. <laughs> um, but, uh, and and I feel like Campion is very intent on showing a, a less glamorous Italy. She does yes. not want it to be this transporting yes. thing where you arrive in fashionable Italy. Um, so uh-huh. the, the first part of the movie. Campion went to Italy, which right, she was She was miserable. She was like, right. this place sucks. Yeah. And then the first part of Italy's the movie nice, is as... Griffin said, like, you have all of these interesting uh, artistic touches, and then the movie becomes absolutely fucking miserable. Yes. Once our character becomes miserable. Look, it is by design, but it becomes pretty oppressive. Yes. It's quite oppressive, but not short. No, No. that's the other thing. It's the cycle of just, like, this isn't ending, this isn't ending. This very quiet man saying, like, look at my stuff, look at my beautiful belongings, don't ever leave me. He has a daughter who is, like, not allowed to leave the house. Pansy. Pansy, Pansy, played Um, by Valentina Servi. Don't really know her other than this. An Italian actress. Yeah. It makes sense that she'd have an Italian accent, having been raised in Florence. Mm -hmm. Um, But, uh, yes, Isabel accepts um, the offer of marriage from Osmond. And we are led to believe that she accepts his marriage proposal as opposed to everyone else's because it's kind of like Madame Merle made him seem cool. Cool. I think the idea, I guess, in theory, is like he will allow her to live her. He's this he's bohemian. Right. Yeah. Like, right. Um, and then the second they get married, he's like, no, welcome to Bummerville. Close the doors. Like, yeah. Uh, Stuart Driver shot this movie. Mm-hmm. Obviously, we talked about him on the piano. I'm just going to read this quote from Jane Campion. We made two major decisions. One, make our interior shots in Italy as dark as possible. Two, have exterior shots almost overexposed to get those big contrasts. Mm-hmm. Uh, I wanted to avoid the glamour and the intimate scenes be as close as possible to the bodies. That's all very interesting, mm-hmm. but it certainly does make the film tough to watch Dreary. in a way, yes. oppressive, uh-huh. yeah. and not uh, what you would expect from a costume drama. She right? also... You know, yes, like it's sort yes. of not giving you maybe yes. the sort of meat and potatoes. We're not getting yeah. the, the sweeping vistas that we get from s- some other period no. films. It's that bleached out thing where the skies are like white. Yes. Uh, and I, I will defend Malkovich's performance in this, but you're essentially asking him to be the motor of the movie for like the better part of 90 minutes 
Sure. And he, but he's also like an obstruction. Right. Right. And he's a bottleneck and he's a very quiet, simmering bottleneck that never pops in that sort of way. Yeah. Yeah. He is malevolent, uh-huh. but it's not like dangerous liaisons or whatever where he's kind of fun malevolent. No, right. he's not fun at all. He's, he's not. No, fun. he's a fucking bummer. This yeah. sucks. Yeah. Bummer. And really so much of the movie is people sucks. being like, leave him. Yeah. yeah. There, there, there is a point in the film where it's like all of. All of Isabel's old friends who have been kind of cut off Mm. are all like sitting together talking about like she's in a terrible situation. What can we do? And I thought they were going to like team up to rescue her. But that that was not planned for portrait too. Yeah. (laughs) Can we talk about Mary Louise Parker playing like Zoe Deschanel in Failure to Launch? She's got little glasses. The little yeah. glasses little are so good. Yeah, this is early Mary Louise Parker, right? I mean, I, I feel like she's still pretty. Well, she did. She, she, she did Boys on the Side. Boys right. on the Side. Um, How to Make an American Quilt? Is that what that thing is called? Or what? I she's mean, in that one of is those. a movie, but it's, no. She's what's not the in other? It. There's another one she's in that's like a generational. There's well, like Grand Canyon. Uh, well, it's fried green, fried, fried green tomatoes. tomatoes. I'm saying I think there is. Yet How to make an American quilt is another movie. I know. I'm gonna figure out what the bullets fuck I'm over Broadway. Of. Obviously, she, and she's, then uh, she's in uh, How I Learned to Drive off Broadway the following year, which is like a her, big. Her she's on the thing show Weeds. Yeah, she later, was on but. that show Weeds. Thank you, Ben. Um. <laughs> so a thing I wanted to talk about, if you're talking about uh, intentionally shooting interiors and having them be very very dark and yes. mm-hmm. Campion makes some kind of shockingly heavy-handed choices to illustrate sure. the interiority of the characters. Like the canted angles? Well, not even the canted angles. Like literally like the scene where um, it's Kidman and Malkovich and it's kind of like their big scene together before she goes on her little uh, boat trip. Mm-hmm. And it's literally in the catacombs. Like they are, yes, they yes. are surrounded by like skeletons. Yes. And so you're getting that like, ooh, bad omens. Right. There's a scene later where she is talking to, um, I think she's talking to uh, her cousin, Ralph. And she says, you know, and at this point she's married. And she says, if I like my cage, that needn't trouble you. Referring to marriage as her cage. Sure. She's literally, they're literally in horse stables and she's framed in front of a bunch of bars. Yes. And so I'm like, I don't know. I I agree. This movie is, I don't think, I don't know. I don't know how you guys, I mean, I know Griffin was perplexed, I would say, by the film. That's my read of your reaction. Uh, Not perplexed. Maybe not perplexed. Look, I wasn't looking forward to this one. This is not my type of movie, I would say. I was sort of invigorated by the first 45 minutes and then it sort of settled into the the thing I sort of was expecting it to be, uh, which is just maybe not my cup of tea. But, but it's also, I've just, I've been really enjoying the fucking movies we've been watching. The last this three is, were so is kind This is my least favorite campion. I guess it two might friends. be and I still like it. Two friends. I said, uh, well, I'm not counting. Okay, if you're not counting that, then it probably has the worst film. But but in you know, a good filmography. But Murray, what do you think? I like I I I've seen this film three times. I told Griffin that, and he was astonished. Uh, it is over like the course of many years. Like, but yeah. Still. Also, I mean, there are weirder movies I've watched more times than that. <laughs> Who am I to judge? Uh, but I've, I've seen it twice. I watched it this week. Um, and the first time I saw it, a movie theater in New York, the Quad was doing a 
Henry James adaptation series. And I went with a bunch of girlfriends to watch this and none of us had seen it before. And we had high expectations for it. Yeah. Like we thought it was going to be a hidden like gem. A that's that's the thing. Gem. That's the thing. You want this to be a You're like, gem. fuck, like yeah. Kidman, yeah. Campion, like this yeah. is a Henry. How was this not? And like, people it didn't like it. Weird. It must like, be great. Right. Yeah, exactly. Right. Yeah. Right. And also I had wa- just watched in the cut for the first time, mm-hmm. I think, Right. A Which year before a I saw Portrait of a Lady, and that is a movie release. I had grown up hearing ruined careers and yes. was legendarily terrible and watched it, loved it. It's right. probably so my like, favorite campion. Yep. And so I'm like, okay, this one's also going to be really be. good. And yeah. it is not that good. Yeah. I think there are uh, interesting things to talk about with this movie. Like it's not a total, I hope this isn't like a bummer of an episode. No, uh, it's not. It's not. I'm just saying. So. Like, yeah. I really love Campion. I do think this is, yeah, not not entirely successful beyond the fact that she's setting herself this challenge of adapting yes. a difficult novel. Mm-hmm. And you know, and there's a thing. I, I another take I have is uh, we talked about this off mic before. Is uh, especially comparing this to a movie like The Age of Innocence, which is like low key my favorite Scorsese film. Mm-hmm. Great movie. Great, great film. Uh, I love the narration in The Age of Innocence. Yes. So do I. I think this film would have benefited from narration, and I think that she did not include it because her last film was very narration-heavy because her character did not talk. Mute character. Her last three movies have narration to some degree. Like Sweetie Angel at my table and Piano. So I think she set a challenge for herself that ultimately... Cut your nose to spite your face. Yeah. I think that's true. I also think as much as she's like, well, I love the book and right. I was just wanting, you know, the way she talks about approaching the adaptation, it does seem like they hit a bunch of roadblocks. Mm -hmm. They tried a lot of ways to figure out how to put the first third of the book into the movie and realize like it's got to go. She doesn't have a screenplay credit on this. Uh, no, it's it's credited to Laura Jones, a regular collaborator. Correct. Who wrote uh, "Angel at My Table" with her? Also, did you notice uh, a certain name popping up in the producer credits of this film, David? Monty Montgomery, Monty the cowboy Montgomery. himself. We know about Monty Montgomery. No, who's Monty Montgomery? Well, Monty Montgomery, of course, is the man who shot the coward Robert Ford. No, oh. he's not. He's not. We did ten minutes on his fucking photo. His IMDb picture looks like it was taken at Deadwood. <laughs> yeah. Uh, no, he, he was is, Catherine Bigelow's really collaborator. And he, was, he is credited yeah. as a director of The Loveless, her first yeah. movie, okay. a co-director, and he is the cowboy in Mulholland Drive. Oh, a kind of fascinating if you do figure. Good, yeah. Oh. You've seen two times if you do bad. I, I believe in that documentary, he is the one who's, who's having that conversation with, with Shelly Winter. Okay. Yeah. I was one because it wasn't her other producer is Jan Chapman, who right. is a woman. I believe right. that's Monty Montgomery, who's this odd, like, zealot figure of the last Very interesting. 30 years, 40 years of film. Yeah. I love him. Love him. Wow. One of my favorite performances. It's one yeah. of my favorite scenes in a movie ever. Um, and another thing that I think is was difficult for her in approaching this is I think that she. Um, is too close to the source sure. material. Right. Yes. Like these are some quotes that I I wrote down from that making of doc. Um, Isabel fantasizes about men like Osmond, and so do I. She's desperate to be loved, and to be loved by someone as difficult him might give her, in some strange way, a sense of satisfaction. Mm-hmm. That's the approach she's taking to the story and the character. I don't know if it is telegraphed as strongly as it could have been because you have people like Ebert at the time 
complaining about Malkovich and just like not getting why she would go for Malkovich. Yes. Yeah. Sun-dried tomato. Yeah. He's a real sun-dried tomato. But, but it is that thing. You watch him in this and you're like, this is the most compelling person in the world. Like, even if I'm bored in this movie, I'm just kind of fascinated by his Which existence. is always true. Even right. when he's in well, some yeah. junky film, you are kind of like, whoa, Malkovich. And like, she she is setting it up to be a like a sexual, sadomasochistic thing. You know what's another thing I'll say? But they kind of... Yeah, that, that's right. what... That, yeah. that right. works for Malkovich. Malkovich is maybe aside from Mary Louise Parker, who is, of course, her best friend in the movie, is giving, like, the most modern performance. Sure. You know, he does... Which is alluring at, at first, right? In like, and of itself. Part of, yeah. It's just yeah. like, what's this guy's secret? He's existing on a different wavelength than everyone else. We haven't even talked about the whole Christian Bale subplot. Oh, yeah. This, this funny thing Baby of Christian Bale. Bale in the 90s being, like, in this forever, like, fucking Lori and Little Women mode. Like, that's why. I mean, that I know. he's only two years before this movie, right? Like, but, he's, but that yeah. Was, uh, Christian Bale, of course, the, the young suitor who plays the gentleman who tried to woo the young women. Pre, you know, um, American Psycho, like, yeah. he plays, yeah. like, chubby-cheeked cuties. I think, like, Velvet Goldmine, he is such a cutie in. Like, yeah. and everyone else is kind of, like, aggro and yeah. glam and cool, right? And, like, and a uh, fucking... Everyone forgets a Midsummer Night's Dream, but oh, like yeah. he's one of the young lovers in that one. Like, yes, it's a, yes, you know. he was just in this zone, and then like I, I remember it, my parents are just having friends. And honestly, it's post American Psycho, but Captain Corelli's mandolin. He also plays that role. Weird, yeah, and and kind of the new a new the new world. He kind of plays that role, too. which I think he's great. Great, in that. it's yeah. right. That's later, obviously. and then he plays. He weirdly plays a different voice role in the animated and Pocahontas, Pocahontas. Yeah. right? Thomas, yes. Um, uh, uh, what I was gonna say, I just remember my my like friends, parents, parents, friends, or some some other adults. My friends were having over for fucking dinner or whatever. And they were like talking about what movies they had seen, and I was listening uh, with, at the talk about movies I wish I could go see. You were listening at the top of the stairs. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Uh, at the top of the stairs <laughs> apartment. Um, but uh, the, the, my parents' friends were saying that they had seen American Psycho and they liked it. And I just remember her saying because I had like no. I guess Christian Bale, I was reading Entertainment Weekly. It was like, here's a guy I've never seen in any movies, but I understand is a movie star he's talked about, right? Mm -hmm. And she said, like, I was really impressed with him in that. It was the first time, like, I always think of him as being very soft. Sure. And this is the first thing I've seen him in where he actually feels like an adult. Yeah. And you're like, he doesn't get to really be an adult until... Until to the 2000s. Yeah. And and he does it by playing these really aggro, him, that and Shaft in the same year. Like he's right, suddenly but like, that's the thing. I want to like, take on the scary The second roles. that switch is flipped, it's like Christian Bale, one of the most intense actors of his generation. He does these very, very like big swing performances. He goes really hard. He goes really deep. It's just funny that he spent like a decade after obviously being a well, child he was, star. He was a child star. Right. right. We talk from about child this, star to like soft romantic boy. We talk yeah. about this narrative a lot with women. Yes. who are teen stars, and then yes. they have to do the movie where they're nude. Yes. Right. Or that they're the, the sexy classic, yeah, in classic order to become swerve. adult. Right. Yeah. And, and, and he's a male to, example. And of to that. throw Disney off the center. So you can't right. cast me anymore. I was right. naked in a movie right. I'm crying done. out loud. Yeah. Right. yeah. And his presence in, in Portrait of a Lady is funny because if we talk about... It's a small role. If, yeah. we, if we talk about Little Wim the 1994 Little Women as a movie that I, as a child, like, did not get mm -hmm. because I didn't understand why Joe didn't 
Mary Laurie. Of course. And the went ultimate with question Gabriel Byrne. Right. I was like, why is she yeah. with this old man and not the cutest boy I've ever That's seen? Right. He was so cute. He's cute. He was so cute. Yeah. And as now that I'm an adult, why I Timothee understand that the decision, you know, she she's escaping her her home. It's not so much about Laurie himself being but, cute. But, but Christian Bale in that age range is such a dream boy for like a child. You know, yeah. like if you were under the age of 15 watching that movie, you're like perfect guy, I feel like. Sure, yeah, he's for very, sure. I mean, yeah. he's like he's very he's cute. a precursor to Chalamet, right. which is why I, I mean Chalamet is perfectly cast. Yeah, he's so Chalamet is so perfectly cast cuz yeah. he feels like a child. Like yeah. that's why you get the joke. Yeah. And anyway. now that I'm watching like even watching Portrait of a Lady now in my 30s, I'm like, "Oh, Bale looks young. He looks like a I yeah. wrote down in my notes, baby Bale." Baby. baby. So he does look young in Little Women. I just he, didn't get it. He when is, I was a child. He's like, the, young. To, to be clear, in this movie he plays the sort of suitor of Pansy. Yes, Malkovich's Malkovich daughter, the, the Marius. <laughs> right. Yes. Yeah. Right. right. It's yes. like, yeah, exactly. The, 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 the boy in Sweeney Todd. It's like the yes. here's the kept woman in the tower and I'm the sweet boy who's going to try to and have, yeah, uh, use love to his, overcome the the plot at this point in the movie is uh, now Isabel is trying to um, help her stepdaughter make a match in marriage. Right. Well, she sort of she, gets reinvigorated. She by knows love. Yes. she loves Bale, and she like feels the energy of like, oh, this is actual romance. And yes. Malkovich is right. trying to set her up with Richard E. Grant because he yeah. wants the money, I guess. Or right? You know, like he yeah. just wants this. But Richard E. Grant still has feelings for Nicole Kidman, right. so Nicole's He's like, I don't want to. Pansy yeah, to I don't want to put her in orbit. that position. Right. She can tell that Christian Bale really loves Pansy, and Pansy loves Christian Bale. I love that her name is Pansy. Uh, well, there's a Malkovich. What ends up happening is in like a cruel twist, Malkovich sends his daughter to a convent sure to become a Benedetta. And he says for his rationale for that decision, uh, one's daughter should be fresh and fair. Pansy is a little dusty. <laughs> a little She's also shovel. revealed to me. She is the daughter. She is the daughter of his union with Barbara Hurt. Like yes. that, that is the sort that of is the, the that is the surprising yeah. twist. And then we realize that Barbara Hurt. She is this tragic villain. Yeah, where she did the reason why she kind of encouraged the union of Nicole Kidman, Kidman and John Malkovich was because she wanted her illegitimate daughter to be set financially. Yes. Uh, and and she's made you know he's the devil like she she yes. she she cannot get what she wants you know like yeah. she yes. she fails uh, and Percy plays all those later scenes so well mm-hmm. and if you again you keep talking about this making of Doc did you get to the point where they're filming her final scene in the rain no and Barbara Hershey is like miserable because she has to do this take. So many times and where she's standing in the freezing rain, it's having rainy. this she's emotional these moment. Fucking costumes, I'm yeah. Sure. yeah, yeah. And it's the yeah. the thing everyone talks about is just like an absurd number of takes on every scene yes. of this movie. And and Campion seems to be a very gentle director when it comes right. to actors, but it's really like probing of just like let's find something, let's go deeper, let's and just yeah. like never satisfied. And right. Hershey's upset because a lot of the crew are laughing and having a good time, and she's like, "I'm Dude. miserable." Right. And I guess my character is supposed to be miserable in this moment. And so I should channel that. But it, I really just feel disrespected. Um, sidebar, uh, a, a wild thing, because I was, I was sort of doing my, my little Hershey deep dive. Uh, 
when she shows up in Beaches, it was like very publicized that she had gotten uh, lip fillers. Yes. And like every fucking review called it out where it's like, I don't even know if Barbara Hershey's good in this movie because I was too distracted by the fucking it, Goodyear tires on her that mouth. That was I mean, how I knew who, like, what her deal was. Like, right. that was what I knew about her as right. a child was that she had plastic surgery. Right, it was just like, oh, this incredibly vain woman who's getting this distracting facial surgery. And you look at her in that movie and you're like, she looks normal. I Like, have our standards just gone yes. so wildly out of whack? I mean, remember we used to talk about like Jennifer Lopez's butt as being yes. the biggest thing we've ever seen. Yes. And if you look at her butt now, it's a great butt, but we've now seen bigger. Yes. We have. There, there have been. The goalpost has moved. The, the, the overseen right. butt window Right. The goalpost moves, but also just like the, the nature with which we talk about these things. I mean, look, the irony of it is like, I feel like we're coming up against this now in like people trying to talk about uh, being the Ricardos. That is a performance where it, you want to sort of dig into the effects of, of perhaps surgeries on how the effectiveness uh, of, of that uh, role. But I even feel like there is like a, an over delicacy and even like touching it versus this Barbara Hershey thing where it's like she had one procedure and people were like, well, she's not even acting anymore. She's just got a fucking hot air balloon under her nose. Barbara Hershey in this film. It's just funny that you com- com- compared her to Ghislaine. That's what you're saying? The scary of 61st. Ghislaine, whatever. Because she, in an interview with Charlie Rose, mm-hmm. another <laughs> famously normal person, compared this character to Cato Kalin. Sort of, oh, sort yeah, of a, this you is know, a funny bit sure. of the dossier. This is, uh, uh, you, know, but sort of, you know, in this way of like, she's sort of like a consummate actress right. in that she's like ingratiated herself in society. Yeah. She plays the piano, all this, you know, like this, that's how she yeah. kind of holds on. And then Charlie Rose, of course, is like, are you interested in the Simpson business? Which is hilarious yeah. way to put it. And Hershey's like, I am. Uh, we were shooting portrait when the verdict came in on O.J. Simpson. It was 10 o'clock at night, and I said to Jane the verdict was coming in, and she said, O.J. Johnson. And, <laughs> and her, she was like, I love that she just didn't even she really know about know. it. <laughs> uh, very European of her to be like, yeah. oh, yeah, no, I've heard a little about it. O.J. Johnson, is yeah. he in trouble? Um, she, so anyway, anyway, and Campion says, Madame Burl, her favorite character, one of the great characters in literature. Uh, Henry James says the great characters of literature are great because they understand their own tragedy Mm. and that's how she feels about this Mm -hmm. character right Mm -hmm. like she's repulsed by what she has to do yeah but it's too late like she's she's already engaged in like i have to save my daughter this is the only way to do it it is a good yes conflict there there also is a i I think the film is really strong when it's about exploring the relationship between these two women and the Mm -hmm. choices that they've had to make and how this one horrible man is kind of involved yeah i think yes. the movie kind of suffers for a big stretch in the middle when barbara hershey is not present i agree with that it's it's just incredibly frustrating to watch yes Malkovich mm-hmm. wreak havoc on this movie even though it is somewhat dramatically interesting and the character is interesting and there's not a lot of movies like this but I, it's just i'm sorry i do want you know yeah some fulfillment and it's really hard you know like I also I can't like deny it. I don't want to be this guy but this movie is so fucking long it is quite and long. it gets very repetitive mm-hmm. and it gets repetitive in a stretch that it could is probably incredibly frustrating like and I hate and that dramatically note. repetitive I find right. that usually find that note kind of oh, could lost 15 Same. minutes but like it, yes this right. is a movie it, where you're like you could have lost 45 I, minutes it is yeah. interesting and in a yeah. theater I've never seen it in a the theater I wonder yeah. how it goes over in a theater um, being stuck with it I still I, I mean I 
we all were disappointed in it. Yeah. My, my girlfriends and I. But then so, there are those bits, like, you know, that you're like, holy shit, that's so interesting. You know, like, there yeah, are. and Yeah. Yeah, I mean, Kidman, I, there's a lot in the dossier about how, like, Campion made her audition constant. Like, it was not easy. Mm-hmm. This was not, like, oh, yeah. Well, they, she said, Campion said she regretted approaching Nicole about this project until To Die For came out right, because exactly. she wasn't sure she could handle the huh. material. Um, yeah. I think partly because she'd had Kidman had had this like half decade in Hollywood of not really being used that way. Right. Right. Yeah. Like so. Uh, but Kidman wanted, like Kidman heard like Campion's making Portrait of the Lady. I want mm-hmm. to be in that. Right. Yeah. And, then, and obviously they had had that early interaction. Right. She said when like she wanted her to be in the short film. I think she's beautiful in this movie. I mean, she has like that like alabaster skin, the blue eyes. Like it, she looks very, she, you know, she, she was very kid, yeah. just a very striking person. And it is that thing of just like her look has gotten so abstracted over the years, where even just yes. like the amount of changes she's made to her hair, it's like she's incapable of going back to her natural hair state, I think, at this point. And it is so fascinating to look at like this color and this texture. Well, she the, the hair was a very deliberate decision. Yeah. To have her hair be curly because I think didn't she say she hated her hair curly? Uh so three things. Kidman, okay. as we say, requested the 19-inch corset. Uh-huh. She wanted to be like psychologically in pain restricted. Cool. Uh two, she wanted curly hair because um she had it that way when she was young and she didn't like herself like that. She did not want to be quote unquote beautiful. Like okay. she wanted to look a bit yeah. odd, I guess. She's still I guess very it's just beautiful. Because I yeah, feel she's, like <laughs> she's also just incredibly striking. Like, yeah. It'd be an, uh, obviously, her relationship with Campion, you know, endures. They're really close. She's I supposed think. to be in 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 the cut. Right. She's in China, girl. Right, like right, you know, like right. she speaks very highly of Campion. Like she's on the award circuit with her right now. Yeah. You know, being Ricardo's yeah. and yeah. Power, but yeah. like apparently they they've interacted and they're you know whatever. They're, yeah. It's a it's an enduring friendship. No, I was just gonna say I I. I feel like her hair was sort of like a defining characteristic of her. The 295 movie, she has straightened, like, blonde hair, yeah, right? Absolutely. But so much of it was like, oh, she's... this. Her hair's kind of red and bad. Curly, fiery, you, you know. That. Right. Strawberry right. blonde. Right. By the time she gets it. to the 2000s, it's like no looking back. She's straight from here on out, right? Well, she's got red hair in Moulin Rouge. But straight. But straight. Uh-huh. Yeah, the curly hair is gone. I don't know. I mean... What does she look like in Lion? I don't remember what she looks she like. Has, she's kind of she's dowdy. Got she's got right. like yeah. grayish, blondish, brownish, short she, she, hair. She got, she got an Oscar. She did get an Oscar. She's very good in I like, oh, I like yeah. that movie. Yeah. It made me cry. I don't love that movie, made me but cry that's too. maybe... Right. I, like, I like Kidman a lot, but I sometimes feel like I'm... Uh, I disagree on which modern Kidman's work for me and which ones right. Which Which ones do you... Which, As what opposed are, to classic Kidman? Sure. I you mean, mean uh, just, modern Kidman, you sort of mean like post Oscar Kidman or whatever. Like, you know, like. I'd say like, like last 10, 12 last, years. Sure, sure, sure. Whatever. Well, what's your fave kid, man? I, I mean, I remember being very. Now I got to look at a fucking list. But like, uh, I remember being a little bit disappointed by her performance in Rabbit Hole. Yeah, not a movie I have Which ever seen. I just felt like, oh, she'll kill she that. She got an Oscar nomination for that too. She didn't did. She? Yeah. Mm-hmm. she did. The Paperboy? Love her I mean, in The Paperboy. That's, yeah, that's paper a fun one. I, I like uh, Kidman and to steal a phrase from Lex G, Bozo Mode. Yeah, so Paperboy, Stoker, I love her in. Yes. Uh, uh, love her in uh, Aquaman. She is good in Aquaman. I haven't seen Aquaman. You should check it out. Uh, yeah. She's good in Beguiled. Yeah, I like she's her in Beguiled. She's great in Killing Beguiled. Secret, uh, Sacred Deer. She is, although... 
she is, you know, like everyone except for Colin Farrell is, and Barry Keegan are kind of props in that movie, yeah. in that weird Yorgos Lanthimos way. But I mean, she is good. She's, you know, she knows God, there's do. so many weird, like, don't exist uh, Kidman movies. I mean, from she's the last fun in Paddington. I was going to say, a weirdly underrated No one talks about how she because tried to get that Because people love bear. two so much and they love Hugh Grant. It's like, she fucking did it first. She's fun. Uh, obviously, she's great and just go with it. Um <laughs> It is funny that the I think the only two Kidmans or three Kidmans the podcast has covered Aquaman, Uh Bewitched, Uh and Happy Feet. Is that it? (laughs) I think this is the fourth. This is the fourth. (laughs) It is funny sometimes how how we we never touch the things they're known for. Right. The prism for some of the biggest movie stars (laughs) that we exclusively see them through. Yeah. Yeah, that's funny. And it's not like she hasn't. Obviously, she's worked with plenty of major directors. Over the years. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, and I do feel like now she's in this phase where she's like, I mostly want to work with Major Dor- Like, or in like Yorgos Lanthimos, she was basically like, I'd like to be in a movie if you want to put me in one. But then, same with Robert Eggers, right? For, she's in the North. Oh, she, she is. She, that's that's going to be something to look for. She works to. so fucking much. You're she like, works a lot. Ricardo's Nine Perfect Strangers, The Prom. The Undoing. Well, Bombshell. that's the thing. She the AMC commercials. She did three TV Two like miniseries. Yeah, yeah. And with, exactly. Aquaman, like, Boy Erased, Destroyer. Those are all just the last four years. Yeah. She, she works a ton. Um, she's married to Keith Urban, right? She's still married yes. to him. Yeah, she is. They're very much in love, according to Instagram. I went. I covered the red carpet and after party for the Golden Compass. I may have mentioned this on this podcast. Oh wow! Um, and I remember her showing up with Urban. And she's taller than him, right? Yeah. yeah. And it was always that funny thing of like, after years of the Tom Cruise thing and everyone, the joke of like her being like, I can wear heels now. And I'm like, she married another shorty guy. She's still shorty short. Who kind of looks like Tom Cruise well, when Tom she Cruise-y. divorced him. Yeah. The long hair long is hair. very like oh, sure. vanilla sure. sky mission impossible. She also had that too. period of like interesting hookups post Tom Cruise where it's like, is she dating Lenny Kravitz? She, like, they, they were, were she engaged. Yeah, I know they there were, were like a lot, deal. but do you remember like every yeah. time there'd be the like, have you heard that Nicole Kidman might be dating? Yeah. Yeah. The, it's, I don't know. it's one I'm of the only Jimmy Fallon interviews I like. Have you guys seen that clip? Uh, where he, where he and when Paris Jimmy Fallon was at like NFT? peak SNL heartthrob and she was like Nicole Kidman post-divorce. Okay. And oh, so they're on the couch together. She yes, and uh-huh. she invited herself back to his apartment, and he just played PlayStation. And it's like <sighs> the only time I've seen Jimmy Fallon kind of actually like. So I see they're talking, they're recollecting about this. She's like that she's time on. I tried to sleep with you, and he's like, "What are you talking about?" Oh my god! <laughs> I've never. Seen I would that. kill myself. He's that like is so clearly mortifying. like mortified by it. <laughs> But Especially like, since, way. like, she at that point is a super famous movie yeah. star. Yeah, he was just like, I, I had no and idea. He's like a guy who's on SNL. Right, right. He was just like, I didn't understand why you'd be here. And she's like, I'm like throwing myself at you and you're playing <laughs> PlayStation. And I remember PlayStation won. Right. But she's sort of saying, like, it made me realize, like, this is like a boy. I need to be with a man. Oh <laughs> like, it's God. pretty savage, but it's incredible. Wow. That's yeah. really cool. Yeah. yeah. Anyway. So at the end of this, <laughs> back of this movie, yeah. it ends and. With like a very four hundred blows Antoine Duanel freeze frame. Yeah, I. I we don't know what char- slow we don't motion. know what uh, decision this she character runs has made. away from a kiss from Vigo. Um, you don't. What it happens though. I, I I didn't watch. She so she to the end of the she, movie. she she <laughs> thought they were brothers. Yeah. 
She found out that... Ben may have texted me around yeah. two hours before this recording started saying like, hey, this movie isn't streaming. Can you get me a torrent? And I was yeah. like, it's about two and a half hours long. That, yeah. in the gist. that yeah. might have happened. Okay. <laughs> that may have happened. Maybe. Ugh. All right. That's she, Blank Check Legends. It's not yeah. canon. Right. No. Yeah. She, she uh, gets a telegram that her cousin... Ralph Touch It mm-hmm. is about to die. Touch it. Touch Ralph it. Ralph Touch It. Do I have a Ralph Touch It here? <laughs> <laughs> and she wants to go back to England to be by his side. And John Malkovich is like, if you went, you'd be making a terrible mistake. Um, and she doesn't know what to do. Mm-hmm. And she finds this thing out about the fact that Madame Merle is Pansy's mother. Right, Shelley yeah. Duvall. Shelley Duvall, who's so good in this. It's so good in this. And this is sort of her like her last run. But yeah. yeah, she sort of it's, retires. It's the tail yeah. end of her yeah. Yeah, career um, as an actress. Yeah. But it's a very fascinating use of her. Yeah, I, she's really fun. Yeah, yeah really, really like her in this yeah. movie. Good. Yeah, um, I, mean, I obviously love Shelley Duvall. But yes, she's got this scene where she's trying to get Nicole Kidman to figure it out without having to spell it out in a, a, a sort of classic Shelley Duvall kind of way. And then that leads to the confrontation with uh, Barbara Hershey. In the rain. Right. And so Kidman does end up es- escaping to London. She's with her cousin as he, he dies. Mm-hmm. Um, he And is- he gives her the additional reveals. Yeah. This last chunk of the movie is everyone being like, you didn't know what was going on the whole fucking time? Yeah. Uh, and she, you know, has this moment with Vigo in the snow. Mm-hmm. Or Vigo's basically like, don't go back. Yeah, he's you like, know. We figured it out. We all, all of your old friends have figured out how to get you out of this abusive relationship. Right. And you have enough money. We'll make it work. It feels a little something about Mary where like all the (laughs) suitors have teamed up. Yeah. And they're just like, as long as it's not mad. Right. Right. Exactly. Let's just knock this guy off the table. And much is in the book. We don't know. We don't know. What she's going to do. Yeah. And it would be funny if Jane was like, well, I'm going to add an ending but that's or like like china did with fight club right yeah which is oh, just so in the great. news <laughs> i've been i trying to parse that <laughs> when does it stop before the end of the movie like do you see buildings no i think up? you I I know think that, you, have you heard about this like, yes you I, my understanding is you see the buildings collapse and then it says shortly thereafter they were all apprehended yes <laughs> but i believe it also says like they stopped the bombs or something and then the, my favorite part is it says that that uh, Tyler, so maybe they don't see the building. So, yeah. uh, Tyler went to jail. Yeah, Tyler, who is not real, right, mm-hmm. went to jail and was rehabilitated and got out of jail. It's like they stole... that there could be a sequel where he's good. They stole the end title cards from Unbreakable, <laughs> right? Where it's like <laughs> Tyler yeah. Durden is now in a prison for the criminally insane. Yeah, <laughs> but like it's anyway. Uh, I like it. People were mad about that. I was like, I don't know. Yeah, good. more of that. This I want to see the China cut of everything. <laughs> right. Let him so cut it all the, the China rest. cut of Portrait of Lady is like, and then John Malkovich died as he should. He went straight to hell. And Pansy was free nice from marriage. the convent. Yeah, Why like, did they uh, add that? Though? I don't understand. They wanted to prove the crime doesn't pay or whatever. Right. Like it, they the added like a moral ending, which makes oh. no sense. You can't watch Fight Club. <laughs> right. I definitely thought this was about a guy who was going to yeah. get caught. Right, so they say like, they stopped the bombs and police apprehended everyone involved. <laughs> yeah. Pucci returned, died on his way back home to his planet. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, th- so that's pretty much how Portrait of a Lady ends. Right. And so you yeah. walk out, you know, with your half-eaten nacho box, <laughs> your, 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 your big gulp of Mountain Dew, and you're like, Cheeto I don't popcorn. know, it didn't yeah. totally land. Yeah, no. Uh, and it, but it is, it is funny if you talk about, or not funny, it's interesting. And Campion's, like, overarching career narrative, I don't think people really cite this 
as the big bounce. No, they think of no. the, cut, the, the holy smoke in the right. cut combo. I think that's right. the real bounce. That they is, forget I think about this, this was seen yeah. as a disappointment. And then the next two movies, people were like, what the fuck is she doing? The thing is, like I said, even though this movie made no money, I do think the Oscar noms help yes. its reputation yes. skate. Yeah. Uh, and then obviously also, even a female director, if you've done the piano, I do think you can you can survive a bomber too. Yes. Like it's not like Karen Kusama where it's like one flop straight to jail. Like you yes. know, like yes. because she, the piano had been such a thing. Yes. Yeah. And obviously she's from another country. That's kind of right. right. Um, but yes, this film premiered at Venice, got a limited Christmas release. Just what you want to see at Christmas. Feel good. Ho, movie. Ho, ho. Yeah. <laughs> well, wait, oh, are we moving to, to the box office? We game? will in a second. Oh, Why? Okay. Well, no, I just final thoughts because I just wanted to offer something, but continue. No, I want to hear these yeah. final thoughts. <laughs> Ready and waiting. Fire them out. All right. So like you know how in movies there's like a disclaimer, like like, like animals. There's going to be a lot of lights. Uh-huh. Sure, disclaimer okay. or like, animals. Like, but no, you mean like sure, like if you've got epilepsy, this is yeah. a movie. A lot of strobes this or should have come with an ADD warning because it. I had to like you would have had to have strapped me down Been at to two the couch. Going, yeah, I couldn't. I like could not watch the movie. I couldn't watch it. I was but just like, like, you were. I know things are happening, and yet here I, know I am mean. not. It's not registered. I know what you me. mean. This is like yeah. the opposite of like a Netflix movie where like if you put this on in the background, you would absorb zero percent. Right. right. <laughs> like but you were just doing other. Did stuff. you find yeah. this or an angel at my table more difficult to get through? Um, this really you mm-hmm. liked an angel at my yeah, table. I, I like I like an angel at my table a lot, but the first like hour and a half of that movie it was difficult before she's interesting i i was was pretty immediately the thing with angel my table is it's like like you you are following one person's journey in a fairly straight line so like you can at least grab onto that i guess you know i mean i know what you mean that obviously it's more abstract and yeah Yeah. kind of you know broken up memories early on so it's sort of like what am i watching i I feel like i've talked about this but the my most extreme example of what you're talking about ben still remains in the seven years of doing this podcast k19 the Widowmaker, where i just could not watch that fucking movie that i'd like put it on and i fall asleep and i'd be like okay time to give it another shot and then i fall asleep again sometimes it's not even the movie it's just it's whatever you're not in the mood for you know a, a heavy Soviet drama it was about like, submarine. I, usually, I watch like the movies the day of, right before. We right, record, which I, I think you shouldn't do, but that's what I you know. Do. You think that, but I like to be hyper fresh or whatever. Uh-huh. That was one where I do feel like Griffin I, likes it fresh. I like it. I like it. Yeah, I like a hot and fresh baby. Mm-hmm. Um, but that was one where I was like trying to watch it four days before we recorded or whatever, and sure. I was just like maybe not in the mood. Went back to it the next day, and I was like. Maybe it's more of an evening movie. Like, I just kept on trying. Yeah, interesting question to post the blankies. What is the most boring movie right. we've what, ever What is the film you've had the Weight hardest of water time? will come watch. up a lot. Weight of Water is yeah. maybe my number two. Weight of Water is going to come up for sure. It's maybe my number What's two. the movie about the sky? Aloha? Aloha's Aloha's wild. It's chaotic. Yeah, yeah, Aloha, okay. you're, you're sort of like, what? Right. Yeah. Right. I want to point out that this film, it, Barbara Hershey got... David, um, did you ever receive the copy of Elizabethtown I sent you? Oh, yeah. It's on the show. You never talked about it? I, for, I think I took a picture of it and forgot to send it to the group. Or Is whatever. there an yeah. Elizabethtown steelbook? No, no but it is like a fancy special edition, edition. Right? The Paramount presents or selects label it, or whatever it looks, it's called. I'm going to watch it again sometime. Maybe we'll get David was saying time. he was considering watching it, and then I, I bought it. him a copy of it on the Blink Check Company card. Very good. And then you never, you never told me. I that. totally am, oh. am sure it arrived at a 
early in parenthood for yeah. me. And I they are like, uh, both wearing Bombas socks. I want to point out this film. Um, Barbara Hershey won the Golden Globe. I would, sorry, was nominated for the Golden Globe. Yes. Won LAFCA and okay. won the National Society of Film Critics Awards for Best Supporting Actress. Okay. Martin Donovan won Best Supporting Actor at the National Society cool. of Film Critics. That's an interesting pick. Yeah, that's interesting. And I think I, he's good. I oh, love he him. is good. I just always am happy to see him. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, this is the year, this is 96, so I feel like Secrets and Lies is a mm-hmm. big critic's favorite. Breaking the Waves was Ooh, a big critic's this favorite. This is the, like, attack of the Euro indie year, where mm-hmm. they were like, Hollywood can't even get a movie in. Right. right. This is the Fargo Because Jerry Maguire, Jerry Maguire is, like, the one is the, Hollywood the, the hit. movie. Right. Um, right. So, obviously, Fargo is a big one. Everyone Says I Love You, The People versus Larry Flint. Mm-hmm. Uh, seems Big Night is popping up on some of these. And the National Society Norton. Film Critics Gave Best Actor to Eddie Murphy for The Naughty Professor. A cool. fun win. Yes. Anyway. Uh, I remember this, Elvis Mitchell was like all about that that season. He just kept on saying like, why is no one taking this seriously? He's a Best Actor contender. Fair point. Um, but this film opened to Venice and got a, you know, muted to negative response. So they weren't chanting portrait, portrait, <laughs> like no. they did with Angel. Angel. Just I mean, sort of like a light clap. Kind of. A, obviously, as we all say, as we were saying, you know, the piano cast such a long shadow. Yeah. So it was sort of ripe for a backlash. Mm-hmm. It was like, okay, finally, Jane Campion's put a foot wrong. Right? I'll say this, too. I know it was done partially in tribute, but Portrait of a Lady on Fire has really fucked up the SEO on this movie. It, it, it has. It is, of course, a sequel to this film. Yes. Yeah. There was really like there was candles, but not a lot of fire in this. You're no, trying, not a lot tell. of fire. Yeah. Um, um, it's it, if you go on Letterbox, like every dumb like little review, people. She wasn't on fire. I was like, watch another movie, you hey, bozos. Marie, that's funny. Yeah, hold on. Okay, I'm that's actually that. that's the really first. Good the first time you see it, it's funny. The second time you see it, it's stupid. If you wrote a review like that and you're listening, yeah. good. <laughs> you're cool, and I like. <laughs> I'm, I'm gonna post that review right now, and I ask that all of our listeners like it. Okay, yeah. uh, Lee <laughs> Marshall. I want to say Lee Marshall of the Independent, who loved this film, uh, um, said that. He thinks the backlash was partly because the piano had been such a big deal. But I do love this quote. Hey, we should put it on the blank check letter. We box. should all put it. No, we're not <sighs> putting it on the blank check letter. Marie White runs that. And she wouldn't want it. No, I mean, normally I just, for these new releases, I just do the episode descriptions. But hey. Look, I'm Maybe. doing a review and I don't want anyone <laughs> stealing my thunder. You all haven't right, done right. a letterbox review in a minute, Griffin. Right. The last one I did was uh, Busted Made Me Feel Bad <laughs> after seeing Afterlife. And I think that was my first review in three years. Because I st- I didn't like everyone fucking trying to triangulate what we're doing on the podcast by looking at our activities. So I know. I've, been, I've been sneaky on the letterbox. David, sorry, what were you saying? Here, Lee Marshall's quote. Too busy writing my incredible review. Lee Marshall's quote the fuck why wasn't she on fire <laughs> one star um about the venice film festival premiere the atmosphere of fully armed belligerence at the press screening was so thick you could have cut it with a chainsaw as we shuffled in the press rep warned me this is a film you need to be wide awake for <laughs> oh okay <laughs> afterwards following some perfunctory applause the audience filed out in silence you could spot the daily newspaper critics by the worried look in their eyes a wor- look which said for christ's sakes i've got a deadline what the hell am i meant to think about this film do you relate to that I do relate to that in that, like, I don't have to write. I, I'm not like a, I don't work for a trade. So it's not like I walk out of a festival and have to be like, okay, I got to have an opinion in half an hour. But definitely you see those movies where you're like, I, I don't know. Give me, yeah. give me yeah. a day. Yeah. I, I don't know. And this certainly probably would be. Yeah, need to digest. Need for to sure. digest. Um, but didn't get great reviews. Mm-hmm. 
uh, Ebert, as you said, was basically like, if you haven't read the book, I don't know how this movie makes any sense to you yeah. and why the fuck is Malkovich in this movie? He's so malevolent. Why would she ever marry? Him? Sure. Uh, where Campion's take is he's malevolent in the book. It's and like, it's not hated. Honestly, yeah. there's something kind of hot about Agreed. how malevolent I he agree is. with that. Yeah. <laughs> that's her take. Um, I don't want to do the limited weekend for this because that's when Michael came out. So we did okay. that fairly recently. So how about the expanding weekend? Please. Okay. Let's expand it. Let's expand our minds. I'm going to make sure we've never... Okay. So the Portrait of a Lady expands on January 17th. A Lady Expands. A Lady Expands to 570 Ew. theaters and makes $1.4 <laughs> million. Marie. <laughs> Sorry. Expands into more theaters, I mean. How how much did it make? Again, I missed that. Uh, in its expansion, it made $1.4 million. Its total domestic gross is 3.6. <sighs> wow. So it's a front load weekend. Yeah. Um, number well, one at the box office is okay. a comedy film hmm. starring, I think, someone who had recently died. Or he was about to. Uh, Candy? Is it, uh, yeah, no, it's um, uh, Farley? Chris Farley. Is it Almost Heroes? No. Okay. Uh, it's not Almost Heroes. It is Chris Farley. And he Beverly dies. He dies this year. It's Beverly okay, Hills. So this Ninja. is his, right, his last pretty, pretty much his last. Nickel. Right. Exactly. Yeah, okay. Uh, but it is opening number one on January 17th to, seven, to $12 million. Is that a porch classic then? Yeah, Ben, I'm looking at you here. He's weighing Beverly it. Hills He's deep Ninja. in contemplation about whether or not it qualifies. Because it's, it's kind of bad. It's right. Dugan. Okay. It's, it's kind Dugan. of bad, right? Yeah, I've never seen it. Uh, uh, yeah. Kung Fu, of course, is the tagline. Which is a good tagline. I uh, just watched the fun. trailer for that for the first time. I didn't know. Why'd you do that? Why? Uh, <laughs> because I had I had a conversation with my friends about yeah. Almost Heroes. My friend watched it and he was like, my friend Chad, who is a Almost fan of the podcast. Shout out, Chad. He was like, you know, I, he thought it might secretly be good because Christopher, Christopher Guest directed right. it. Right. That's almost here. Right. Yeah. Right, yeah. Right, right, right. And then he's like, no, it is terrible. And you're watching like two actors with very serious substance abuse issues. Right. It's trying right. like and right. Harry both. Yeah. It's like a yeah. So he's right. like, it was yeah. just a miserable watch. Right. And right. that comes out after he dies. Yeah. yeah. Yes. But that like I, I the only Farley movie I've seen is uh Tommy, Tommy Boy, Boy which, is which is pretty much masterpiece. where you have to put yeah, it. It's, yeah. It's, I really liked it. But I was like, ooh, Beverly Hills Ninja. Like what's Kung the, Fu? You want you want him to have made other good movies. I didn't realize that that movie is about like him being like adopted by a group of like ninjas ninjas because they think like that he is the chosen one. So it's sort of a kung fu panda situation. Yes. Where yeah, it's like, this unlikely guy kung for some reason. Yeah, pandas. Right. This white guy. A <laughs> <Yeah>. ninja <laughs> ripoff. Rip but then, but movie. then they were like, oh, what if we put some meat into it? Nicolette Sheridan. All I remember about it? it is that he kind of like he always would be clean shaven uh-huh and in that movie he kind of has a little bit of scruff and he's or got like a bowl haircut he's got right? a bowl haircut yeah. right but Kung he, fu. Just, he like <laughs> i gotta keep trying <laughs> i didn't get it i didn't get it at first but it's starting to clear up for me a little bit he just uh, looks sad he looks sad. do you know they did a direct-to-video uh beverly hills ninja uh sequel they did in the last 10 years do you know who they uh cast to replace chris farley i thinking, do not know okay so about 2010 you're doing who Beverly is, Hills Ninja. Well, there's the obvious. Well, no, no, just tell me who who is in Beverly Hills. Who, who's the obvious person you're thinking of? Like a Kevin James, yeah. maybe. Of course. Right? Yeah, 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 no, yeah. obvious. Yeah. Obvious. Very close to who they picked. David Hasselhoff. <laughs> <laughs> what? Okay. Well, that's just another direction. 2010. Beverly Hills. Wow. So that's Weird, like an extra right? credit assignment the, for it, blankies. If the you yeah. want Farley, to watch we're going to do them on the Patreon. You know, the, the Farley movies. thing. 
uh-huh. right? It, like, so it's it's basically what like Airheads, Tommy Boy, Black Sheep, Beverly Hills Ninja, Almost Heroes. Like that's basically Billy Madison. That, Billy Madison has a small role. Wayne's World, he pops up. He's right? in both Wayne's Worlds, different roles. I, yeah, uh, yeah, but right. like, right, like I guess, forget Airheads. Even it's really just Tommy Boy, Black Sheep, Beverly Hills Ninja, Almost Heroes. It's, it's four vehicles. It's yeah. always the same, right? He's always like a fuck up. Yeah, who's goofy, but you love him. Right, like, like he never deviated from that. Right, he no. was just going to do that for a while. Well, that was his whole thing, that right? Like he needed to be thing. loved. Like, like he, he, he loved just, to be. Absolutely. He loved to be loved. But like, when was? Do you think like, say, Chris Farley figures it out? Yeah. Right? Like, is there a phase where he's like, what if I played someone scarier? What if I played yeah. like someone more villain? You know, I don't know. Yeah, there were things he was supposed to. I mean, what he was going to play Shrek. He was going to play. I he, think he, that he, he recorded like a lot of it. I he recorded sixty percent of the yeah. movie. Know that. You can yeah. really animation to Chris a very Farley's famous yeah. like yeah. what if scenario. Whoa. Yeah, this the bizarre thing about Shrek is they designed it for him. He recorded sixty percent of, of the it, movie. And then he dies. They right. were animating it. They died. They were like, "Fuck, sunk cost. We have to start over." Right? They hire Mike Myers. Another Mike SNL Myers guy. records sixty percent of the movie. They start animating it. They do a, a rough screening with like 60% animated. He goes to Jeffrey Katzenberg and he's like, I think you should be Scottish. And he's like, Mike, it will cost me $20 million to throw this out and start over and reanimate if you want to do Scottish. He's like, I really think you should be Scottish. And they do the third time through and it works. I mean, that was the right When call. did but they like just like with fail? Donkey. Donkey. Yeah. <laughs> Can you imagine like, hey, uh, donkey. Do you think that's what it was? Yeah. Like, Katzenberg's like, that's a bad idea. And he went, donkey. And Katzenberg's eyes. <laughs> dollar sign. <laughs> yes. like, he's like, God damn it. At, at what point in the production history do they decide to get rid of Shrek's hair? Did Shrek have hair? Shrek had hair. Yeah. Shrek- did he have a bowl cut? That that happens, I think, after the Farley death. They okay. redesign the whole uh-huh. character. Because if you, Farley. I know, if you yeah. go to the Academy Museum yes. in Hollywood, they have an original like maquette of Shrek right. with hair. Yeah, he had a little. He had a little bowl cut because it was fact. a William Steig book. It is, yeah. and the original Farley version, he was much closer to that art style. And then I think after uh, Farley died, that changed. No, I think because it was also like Farley, there were always things that got thrown. I'm trying to remember now. There are other movies that were like written for Farley. Of you hear a lot of that those, got right, made comedy vehicles later. Like five years later, right. This was Th- a that were thing. slightly different types. Right. right and right. I feel like he was one of the people who would get thrown around for Confederacy of Dunces because anytime someone's any, about any, to die. Any rote. They say that maybe they're going to do Confederacy. Yeah, it's a no, it point. is. But also, it happened with Will Ferrell, and it happened with Galifianakis. It happens with fucking everybody. Yeah, Black, I think. Um, yeah. Tommy Boy is the only one that gets it right, and yeah. it's weird that it's the first one, and you don't think that guy would necessarily work as the lead of a movie. And they cracked it in terms of him actually having a sense of humanity and integrity to him, and trying really hard, and then they fuck it up, and then he dies. Number two at the box office. Yeah is another film starring a comedy icon. We were just talking about him. Uh, Mike Myers? Indirectly, no. But co-star of Mike Myers, not Shrek. Chandler? Another SNL guy? No. Well, yes, he is an SNL Eddie guy. Murphy? Eddie Murphy. Eddie Murphy. Uh, not, not a Mike Myers contemporary, but sure. an SNL guy. Um, probably one of his most forgotten films in this sort of like, I, I feel like Doctor Doolittle has maybe just or is about to come out. Like Doctor Doolittle, I think comes out in ninety seven. This and this say. is Jan ninety seven. So like this is sort of the end of his like okay adult sure star sort of swoon. And right, he's about to swerve. Obviously, he had Nutty Professor the year before. Right. This isn't Holy Man, is it? It's not Holy Man. That comes out post Doctor Doolittle. Mm-hmm. That's another weird flop. Is it Bowfinger? 
Not both. Is it Metro? It's Metro. Thank you. Metro. Never what seen is Metro? Eddie Murphy. Metro is like a hostage movie. negotiator. Yeah. And I is think it like, funny? I think a he's little a little bit. funny in it, right. but it's like a more of an action movie. Huh. Eddie had that weird thing in the nineties. Like an R-rated action. Movie. He got very jealous of Wesley Snipes. Yeah. And it's why, like, Beverly Hills Cop 3 has two jokes in it. Right. Way and why he did Metro, where he was just like, I want to be able to be an action star. But, like, Metro is still marketed as, like, this negotiator's got right. one big mouth. Like, or whatever. You know, it's right. trying to be like, don't worry, Eddie's here. Right. But, you know. But he's, like, f- funny the way, like, Samuel L. Jackson is funny in Die Hard with a Vengeance. Exactly. It's not he's... an action comedy, necessarily. Uh, Metro. Yeah. Not a big hit. Yeah. Um, number three at the box office, a musical. Number three at the box office of music. Uh, Evita? Evita. Evita. Helen Parker's Evita. Is that the one where it's like, don't cry for me, Argentina? Yeah. You nailed it. That was a big it's not culture where she says, Kung Fu. Oh, okay. <laughs> so, she comes out of the balcony. It's getting better. <laughs> Kung Fu. <laughs> um, not a good movie, but you watch it and you are like, God damn. Like, I do love how fucking blown out this it's a picture. Is. You know, it is yeah. a picture. What other? Banderas is smoking hot. Now. Jonathan Price is smoking hot. Now. He is smoking cold. <laughs> what? Um, He's cold cut. <laughs> Andrew Lloyd Webber adaptations. Uh-huh. Cats. Jesus Christ Superstar. They miss. Who's in Jesus Christ Superstar? Uh, me? No, I don't know. Uh, Were you in Jesus Christ Superstar? Uh, no, I wasn't, actually. My my uh, school did do a production. We did Godspell. Uh, no one famous is in is in the, the, yeah. the oh. 70s. Jesus uh, Christ. A Schumacher, Schumacher Phantom kind of, of the Opera. Phantom of the Opera, mm-hmm. yes. Yep. Is Evita the best one? Mm-hmm. Um, that's a good question. It's not it had a very. Be. It's kind of the classiest one. Yeah, because yeah. like in that, like when they finally do Phantom, it's junky. Like that movie yes. is, is fun in its way, but it's a Joel Schumacher movie. It's mm-hmm. very junky, right? Which I think is a good match for him in a way because he's uh-huh. a junky guy. Yes, but he thinks of himself as a you I know, guess prestige. Lame you is peep. I mean, it won awards, but. Does Lame that is yeah. Evita is way better. Yeah. yeah. Is there any? I'm like, are we forgetting? So obviously, Cats is a, a disaster. I do think the Norman Jewish and Jesus Christ Superstar is good. I've never seen underrated. So maybe, but I think yeah. yeah, sure. Evita, give it to Evita. Sure. Uh, number four at the box office is a mm. horror film that's dropped from number one the week before. A classic January release. Um, uh, like a dump. Is, does this movie have any merit, David? I I think it is. It's one of those movies I've always wanted to see. It's a monster movie, huh? Uh, it was. It's the kind of movie where the poster doesn't have any people on it, just a building. What? Um, and it's j- about the monster. It's like there's a monster on the loose. Okay. It's got the classic, you know, our, America's favorite two stars in the '90s: Penelope Ann Miller and Tom Sizemore. <laughs> <laughs> what? <laughs> Is this what like is alligator? This? No. Is it is the name of the movie the name of the the creature and name? No. No. What the fuck is this? It's thing? directed by Peter Hyams. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, and it made forty eight million dollars worldwide. Posters a building. It's a uh, I believe movie. it was meant to be set in the American Museum of Natural History, but I think it's actually set in the Field Museum of Natural History in Chicago. But something does a dinosaur come to life? It's like a lizard thing, like a South American lizard monster comes to life and goes on a killing spree in a museum. Wow, sounds cool. great. Yeah, relic. Sounds... Relic? Oh, relic, the relic, the yes. relic. Okay. okay, 
I, I always get that confused with Mimic. I just, oh, yes. Well, Mimic is a better movie. That's Del Toro. Yes. Obviously. I just like, where the That's one of like, the worst posters. I don't know. Ever fucking, seen. there's a light in a building. <laughs> oh, no, it's a shit. <laughs> Take your medicine, piggy. I'm tired. It's January. I don't know. There's a relic. <laughs> it's January. We'll figure it out. That should have been the tagline for this movie. I don't know. It's January. <laughs> Who knows? <laughs> Who's in it? Uh, fuck you. Penelope Ann Miller? Satisfied? <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> Linda Hunt is in this, too. Wow. I bet wow. you it's good. Is there yeah, a relic a series? Director. Is this yeah. a Patreon contender? Yeah. Huh. Yeah, relics. Uh, number five at the box office is one of my favorite films of all time. We've covered it on the Jerry Maguire. It's Jerry Maguire. Jay McGuags. Uh doing great in its fifth sixth week. You've also got Scream. Ah. Uh. You've got Michael. Ah. Uh. <laughs> You've got the People versus Larry Flint. You've got uh. 101 Dalmatians. Oh, with Glenn. Yeah. Woof. Yeah. Wolf. And you've got uh, Jackie Chan's first strike. Oh, Kung yeah. Fool. No. <laughs> no, not this guy. Not this guy. <laughs> not this guy. Um, <laughs> you know, a solid January. Some crap. Yeah. Yeah. But you could also go see Evita or Jerry Maguire. Get some stuff. Catch up on Scream, the movie yeah. all the kids are seeing. Yeah. It's got that kind of font. Scream. Scream. Yeah. Oh, on my shirt. Yeah. yeah. The yeah. Still the DVD DVD. Font. Very yeah. 90s font. Yeah. Did you see Scream yet? No. New Scream? I have not seen New Scream. I was going to go to the last showing at the uh, United Artists Court Street. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, we lost another uh, great theater recently. Yeah. We did Prayers Up. I mean, not that I'd, I hadn't been since my experience with Molly's game there, but I mean, I love it. What was your experience with Molly's game? Dicks out for you, of course. My experience at Molly's game was the movie did not start. (laughs) (laughs) Right? Like, we're Joey and I. Honestly, like, that's prop, that's kind of (laughs) good. Kind of good. Joey and I were just sitting there and after like 20 minutes, I was like, okay. And so I go and like find someone that like, I was like, the movie didn't start and they're like, okay. And uh, so the movie started half an hour late and but whatever and we're sitting watching the movie and then half an hour before the movie's supposed to be end curtains close lights come up <laughs> <laughs> like it was just on a timer and it was during a very intense scene yeah, like, classic like the mob is like attacking her yeah, or right? she break, breaks into her something yeah. like alright everybody out classic I never had street. any of like the iconically terrible experiences there that I've, people had I've had wonderful experiences there but I certainly have had a few of those I, yeah. I, my I, friend yeah. got kicked out of the theater for yelling this movie sucks balls during Van housing which is egregious because there is no theater at which people yelled more often at any movie and they, yeah. they had like three employees escort him out right well uh, i've also told the story about when i took a date there to see uh soul plane and there was uh one african-american man in the theater and like 15 hasidic jews and then two 15 year olds on a date and what everyone if, was uncomfortable. Like wow. the dynamics were just incredibly bizarre. That's like a that's a real Brooklyn experience. It was for sure. Yes. 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 Uh, I saw the last movie I saw there was in the Heights, mm. a completely empty theater. Uh, so I just gotta take my phone out and uh get photos of the Dear Evan Hansen trailer the whole time. As uh, it was, yeah, it was a simpler time. It was just time. so big. It was a simpler uh, time. I think Dr. Sleep was the last thing I saw there. Yeah. yeah, I haven't been there in a really long time, but I'll share what I loved about that theater is Checkers was across the street. So I would go because I would be kind of baked. Popeye's next door as well. It was sure, kind of sure. a haven. But I would just yeah. get some chicken sandwiches and eat those yeah. and, and while watching the movie. Yeah. 
all true. Shout out my little pizzeria, my favorite pizzeria mm-hmm. around there on Court yeah. Street. Love that There's spot. A good me shop across the way. Yeah, look, it was, uh, it was, uh, it was a very New York theater. That's all we can say about it. Vulture wrote a great piece with a bunch of different uh, accounts of people. I've seen more movies there in this country, at least, than in any any yeah. other theater. I think. Yeah, just because that was the spot. You was, said in this country. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, 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 <laughs> I walked there during Hurricane Sandy because uh, we were desperate to leave our apartment. And so we all walked from Bed-Stuy to sure. Court Street Good to see Flight. Hey. Great movie to see during a storm. Great movie Absolutely. to see during a yeah. storm. Uh, you rolled it. Yeah. You were feeling all right. Yeah. Okay, we're done. Thank there you, go. you all for listening. <laughs> there we go. That's a segue. Please baby. remember to rate, review, and subscribe. Thank you to Marie Barley. Woo! For Thanks. Social media and so many other things. And You're welcome. Uh, Thanks for having me on. Uh, always a pleasure. It's 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 it's, it's like home. You know Aww. what I'm saying? It's it's, just... it's going to be a while until I'm on again. I think. No, judging on right. what we're doing in the future. No, no, no. You're you're <laughs> you're good. You're yeah. Um. Thank you to AJ McKeon. Alex Barron for our editing. Joe Bowen, Pat Reynolds for our artwork. Lane Montgomery and the Great American Novel for our theme song. Thank you, J.J. Birch and Gloriano for our research. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can go blankiesirred.com for some real nerdy shit. Our website's going to be launching soon and everything's going to be centralized so I no longer have to list 17 different websites at the end of each episode. So look out for that. That's where March Madness voting will be happening. That's where it will be easier to uh, be easier to find our merch, including new chip coins and the Spreadmaster spatula, our commemorative item for the 2021 ranking. The Ray, walk. do you know about this? Do you know that we made a custom spatula? Yeah. Oh, oh, yeah. yeah. The Spreadmaster. The Spreadmaster. Refer to the so, spatula by its proper name. Think about it. At home, you want to get your spread on. <laughs> spread it up. Want to get spread it? You know what to reach for. You're just trying to like master. frost a cake or yeah. something? Yeah, you gotta frost reach for the spread master. Cake. Just trying to get down in that bowl. Yeah. Grab yourself a spread master, Talking the Walk 2021 blank check podcast merch. David has fallen into the sunken place. No, I'm just looking at No, I'm fine. I'm good. Um, okay. I just got Wait, a t- yeah, he is floating sort of down. Yeah. Yeah. I just got a te- I just yeah. got a text from my friends. Uh with a Brag. link to a one-star review of the portrait of a lady oh. that says, Duh fuck, why wasn't she on fire? Huh, that sounds like a pretty funny That's review. actually, yeah. hold on. <laughs> I actually, I'm <laughs> laughing when I hear that, Dang, that was good. review. And yeah. I, I, actually, I actually beg our listeners to like this because by the time this episode comes out, probably 15 different film bro <laughs> guys on Twitter have captioned, have screenshotted my review and gone, why does anyone listen to this guy's podcast? <laughs> Seriously, people actually listen to this guy? I guarantee that's happened at least 10 times by now. So I'm, I'm asking the blankies to just hit that fucking like button. Smash I that hate this so like much. button. Why are we not done? <laughs> we are done. Okay, okay, Tune in next week <laughs> for Holy Smoke Holy with Smoke. Kyle Buchanan. Yeah. That's great Kyle Buchanan. That's right. Great app. Great app. Um, Fun app. Corker. It's a cool. There's an incredible Campion tidbit. Some in. good Campion yeah. IRL tidbits in that one. I yeah. haven't seen that movie. I'm excited to watch it. You're uh, gonna, it's I think wild. you're going to enjoy watching I think it. I hear it. that there's yeah. some some uh, pee in it. Yeah, there sure yep. is. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> yep, indeed. Uh, we also get into a lot of Mad Max talk because uh, oh, it's a book. I'm a Mad Max hero. Which is really Anyway, uh, listen to that. 
And as always, Kung Fu! Damn right. Thank you. Donkey!